Mike, turn your games down. Hi, everybody. Welcome to the 50th, 50th comic episode of Games My Mom Found. I am Mike Hubberton, and who is counting to midnight with me tonight? My name is Joe Butler, and I'm as queer as a $3 bill. <laughs> Kenneth Sanity, frequent guest, audience applauds, roll on snare. Excuse me, Mike. I, uh, this is Chris. I have to record a podcast 90 minutes ago. <laughs> that was good. So, so a couple things I want to say before we get into this. Uh, one, we are doing something that I have, I have, I have actually, because throughout the show, if you listen to every episode I produce, I have made jokes about there being lost comic episodes. This was one of the 10 that got lost that I recorded three years ago at this point during the the lovely 2020 plague of of the end of the world. And due to circumstances, I had to delete them. Essentially, and they weren't published. One of my co-hosts had left, and that was part of the agreement. He just asked me just to delete the stuff that wasn't published. And I've been meaning to get to this. And I decided that what better thing to do than the 50th episode to finally talk Watchmen again. And this time, I will release it. (laughs) So I should damn well hope so. (laughs) Hey, only. (laughs) Yeah, I was very upset about that. But it it is something I did to be to be polite, I guess, is the word we're going to go with. So that's what happened. But I've always been so it's always been getting to me. And I've been holding back on this one. But one, I didn't want to read it again. So there was that. Mm, that played bitch. a big part in it. So we are going to deep dive into the comic as we do on this show. And this came out in 1986, Randa 87, written by Alan Moore. And the artist was Dave Dave Gibbons. And I actually have a copy next to me, which is not something I say majority of recordings on this show. I actually bought a physical copy of this book. Wow, you found one in print? Yeah, I was surprised, you know. And hey, and this one even says... Now an HBO series on the cover. Oh, oh my God. Wow. <laughs> Mine does not. Your probably doesn't even say there's a movie out at the time, I'm assuming. I don't. No, 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 it does. Because this this particular version was published in 2014. This book is always in print. It has to be. Also, yeah. for some reason, if you're deciding to listen to this and not have ever read the comic, content warning, because this comic is royally fucked up. Oh, yeah. Yeah, oh, that's yeah. a fair point. Thank you. <laughs> I'm probably going to get into some stuff. Oh, but Weird. before we go too far, I just want to say, Ken, I have two beers, Ken. Wow. <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> it's never going to fucking end. Are we, are we, are we, are we getting crunk this podcast? <sighs> uh, yeah, I got If I got to talk about this book, I was either debating, do I want to get high or do I want to drink beer? And I decided to go with beer. Well, that's all right, Mike. I'm drinking beer, too. I'm drinking a nice, cool can of Hams, America's classic <laughs> premium beer that was born in the land of sky blue waters. <laughs> well, it's like at some point during this, I'm going to go upstairs and waddle and pop open a five milligram. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so I have a couple things. First, I want to kind of go with our introduction to this series. I had before. Well, I read it three times now at this point, but my first exposure to Watchmen was when the movie came out, which I've still never seen in theaters, was I worked at Target at the time. They had a big key. They had a big, like, you know, end cap that we did where the Watchmen DVD was going to be there. And then we had another DVD. It was just a comic where was somebody narrating the comic and you see panels. Oh, the motion comic. Yeah. And, and yeah. I was asked if that was my first exposure to Watchmen. I didn't see it. I was like, oh, OK, what's the Watchmen? All right. I don't care. 
And it wasn't until years later I finally read the book. That's my origin story. Joe, what about you? So I'm I'm the, I'm the baby of this group, as usual. I believe I'm at least a good decade younger than you guys, and I feel always silly about it. I was in high school when this movie came out, and I remember this being like the highlight because would Watchmen? No, because Spawn existed. But Watchmen was that time when yeah, people in high school heard it was a super violent superhero movie, and it all got us excited. So everyone in high school was excited about it. So and I never got to watch it, and I still haven't seen it to this day. I've only seen clips. I don't think you're missing too much. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I my exposure to this was I would have been what probably a freshman in high school at the comic book store. And I was like, I'm bored with uh, Marvel and DC like a comic book store guy. Give me a more mature stuff. And he gave me Watchmen, which I was probably not ready to read at 14 years old. But I read it then and then I read it again in college for a class. And then I saw the movie. um, And so, yeah, I've read it at least two or three times uh, once, like critically for a class and then saw the movie and thought it was not great. It's uh, it's a relatively straightforward adaptation, but it's Zack Snyder, so he can't help himself. That's why I've never seen it. I don't like him. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Let's calm down with the Zack Snyder talk. All right. (laughs) We don't need to stir anything up. Like I mean, need an entire subsection of Twitter blue subscribers to come after us. All right. I'm not going to say it's good or bad, well, but if you, if you like action slowing down into slow motion and then going super fast, this, the Watchmen movie has it. <laughs> you liked it in <laughs> hundred or uh, Superman or any of his other movies or sucker punch. Uh, oh. he, he likes to do it. Sucker sucker punch is uh, me and my husband's favorite movie together. Our favorite couple movie. Sorry. <laughs> but also kind of fitting because you're two gay guys so yeah that's, that's more fitting than and i fucking hate that movie i never finished <laughs> it i was like this is fucking terrible and i turned it off but also when i say we love that movie i don't mean we love watching it we love seeing they're making fun of it okay, so that's, that's fair yeah <laughs> man you scared me for a minute i was about to say but i like your taste and stuff how could you be so wrong <laughs> yeah, that so so the the premise behind that, if I can get to it real quick. So I, I never saw the movie. My husband introduced it to me, and what makes that movie funnier? He's like, it's funny if you imagine her like when she starts dancing, she puts her head in between her knees and she starts vibrating like uncontrollably, and that's why everyone's mesmerized, and that just makes the movie a thousand times funnier. <laughs> okay. I mean, I I just pictured her like Elaine dancing, and everyone is like, you're the greatest dancer. <laughs> <laughs> I just I've only watched that part of that movie once and I just heard it off. I'm like, oh no, I'll just yeah, no. we're going to watch that movie the same again. <laughs> <laughs> so and Ken, what about my, you? My experience with watch. <laughs> sorry, I'm going <laughs> to after he I'm murdered gonna, you. Be all right here. My experience with Watchmen. I'm old enough to have read a friend's individual issues of this. So my first experience was with the individual comic books. It was not when they were first coming out. These were already, you know, bagged and boarded already. Like I was, I was six years old when this came out. This is not a good book for a six year old. (laughs) Um, Plus a six year old would not appreciate a lot of the interesting things that goes on. And honestly, I got to tell you, every time I read this book, there's something new that hits me. Like this is probably close to double digits for me. I too read this critically in a college class it was an entire class about graphic novels actually it was pretty great but 
I, I wrote a really nice paper on it. I read that paper today. I was like, wow, uh, Ken, you're stupid. <laughs> but yeah, I've, I've read the book. I've seen the Zack Snyder movie. I've seen the director's cut. I own the ultimate cut of the movie that splices details from the Black Freighter cartoon back into the movie. Um, I've watched the show. I own the motion comic DVD. Like, you can say I, I like it. I, I like the, this. Is the show good? I love the show. Okay. I heard it was good. <laughs> I didn't watch it because it said Watchmen on the, on, the, on the cover. So it's, I like it a lot. I think it does some really interesting things. And if I remember, oh, one, I just looked up on eBay. This is actually not that expensive. Like the actual, like, first comic issue. It's not that expensive for a first appearance of something this big. Somebody selling a 9.4 for 150 bucks. Great. That's, like, that's not bad. That's not bad at all. See, here's the thing, though. It's not a Superman. It's not a Spider-Man. Mike, for you, it's not even a Hawkeye. This is something that does not really have that mainstream appeal. This is a big deal to nerds like us. And I think the reason for it is it's storytelling, the likes of which we had not seen at that point. It's become one of those hallowed institutions for us. Like, it's not, you know, an Action Comics 1, which is going to get, like, how many millions of dollars at an auction? $150 for the first issue. It seems fair. It just seems weird to me, because even the first period of Carnage cost more. Well, <laughs> Carnage was Woody Harrelson, Mike, of course. <laughs> oh, I remember. Uh, you go hear our review about that terrible movie. Yeah. <laughs> Weird-ass movie. Maybe reprints? Maybe they reprinted this a lot, because I know it I mean, probably Oh, has... this is the one of the number. This this trade is always... The trade itself is always in circulation, because if I remember correctly, there's some kind of deal with Alan Moore when he created this for DC, the vertical, that he would get the rights back when they stopped publishing it, but they tricked him and they'd never stop publishing it. Right. Yeah, like well, that. he he did brought it on himself by making such a successful book that they're like, well, we're just going to publish this forever. Oh, that makes a lot more sense. But isn't that the like the deal? If they ever stop publishing, he gets the rights back. I think that was the essence of the original deal. And it's so funny because people are like, Alan Moore is such a grouch. But it's like so many comics reporting people are like, are you mad at DC about this? And it's like, yeah, would, I mean, like they've literally taken, you know, probably hundreds of millions of dollars from him. Yeah. And said, well, yeah. we don't have to pay you that. Oh, yeah, because it's contract work. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And, you know, I don't blame him. I don't blame Alan Moore for any of the bad feelings he has toward the industry. You know, watching the movies based off of his works, I understand why you would want your name scrubbed from them. I get it. I saw From Hell. I understand. Yeah, I just remember hearing about that, but I don't know. I, I knew a little bit about the details I've heard about because I know he hates the comic industry now, but I don't blame him. I mean, you get ripped off like that. You're going to hate them, too. And this is not a image wasn't around yet. So not like he could publish this himself because these are all I mean, these are all original characters. Right. I mean, none of these are, you know, D.C. staples at the time. Uh, I mean, sure, they're close to it. OK, <laughs> Night Owl is not that far away from a Batman. Well, oh, no. All of so, these characters yeah. have basis on other characters. <laughs> yeah, it's like, so DC had bought a bunch of other, you know, they obviously bought Captain Marvel about a decade earlier. But in the early 80s, they bought uh, Charlton Comics, which was a pretty small publisher that Steve Ditko and a few other people had worked for. 
And so he had Steve Ditko created like the question and the, the blue beetle and a few other characters. And then I forget who all, I think the peacemaker uh, from the HBO show was another one, Charlton character. Yep. And so DC had all of these characters and Alan Moore kind of pitched like, what if I make this? And they were like, uh, oh. I don't know if we want to do that. And he's like, okay, then I'll just change all the characters so that they're not the characters, you know, and they're like, Oh, that's fine. Like I got a breakdown right here of who everybody is. Yeah. But some of that I think is it's very light. Like I don't think Silk Spectre is that much like whatever like femme fatale Charlton character she's supposed to be. She's more like Black Canary or someone like that, where it's the daughter of the Golden Age hero. Yeah. Yeah. She doesn't really have any powers either. Okay, no one has powers, I should say, other than Dr. Manhattan. I don't know. Rorschach's got, you know, some kind of power. Yeah. He's just crazy. Ozymandias yeah. kind of has powers. Yeah, yeah but he's just like smart. <laughs> yeah, he's like, yeah, he's like the, the apex man. He's kind of the Captain America where it's like he's the best guy. But yeah. does that mean he's super powered? Who knows? Yeah, and probably. essentially isn't Ro- I'm assuming Rorschach also be one of the characters that would fall on that, you know, the starter pack of characters. If you idolize, you're the part of the problem. Type oh, thing. Yeah. 100%. Hey! <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I mean, Alan Moore has said that he wanted to make sort of like what Batman would be like in real in the real world um, and when, that he would have no friends and he would smell bad. Uh, <laughs> but he didn't expect that like comic fans would be like, actually, this guy's even better than Batman. Yeah, like Rorschach's got a lot of problems. <laughs> but I that is Rorschach. the second time that I've talked about Rorschach and Joe's been like, ah, I want to hear this <laughs> before we get into it. I, I, I want to hear. I, well. I don't know. Maybe that's better if we go along. But I, I really am looking forward to you defending Rorschach because if this say, is, if, are you covering I, up a Rorschach tattoo. No. <laughs> if if I can get the it, the the character bases, if if you listen to our Red Hood episode, it it's set up in that kind of way of where I'm I'm kind of okay with like, oh, I'm not talking about you know the penguin. I'm mostly talking about shooting the Joker in the face. Yeah, there's some guys who deserve to get shot in the face. Like, I'm not disagreeing with that, <laughs> but like the way Rorschach. Oh, yeah, no, it's all the other stuff, too. Yeah, so it's kind of like, eh, like it's like a 20 percent. eh. OK, one question, like throughout this, there's a random like, newspaper company that he write that. Well, he sends a journal to, which has the oblivious ending that we'll talk about. The which, New Frontiersman? Is that supposed to be like a Nazi publication, essentially? No, it's, it's a right wing. Yeah, it's Infowars on paper. Oh, OK. I couldn't so, tell because it sounded like they were going for fascism, like they were a fascist type group or something. Because they were like, at one point they find out Rorschach, oh, he he bought, he read our paper, oh, he's a good guy then, type of thing. I'm like, is this supposed to be kind of a joke to something that happened, you know, 30 years later? That it... <laughs> good guys. A line from uh, one of my favorite movies: "They are so far right, they're almost ultra left." Okay. I mean, it's the satire of the 1980s is just the world we live in now. Yeah. Yeah. Which is fucking distressing yes and one thing I, I like about this comic that a lot of people need to understand too is this is very 80s this is oh, back yes. this is frank miller's future batman this is uh superman with a mullet and the big iron s on his chest like this uh, yes. <laughs> this is the epitome of like hardcore 80s comic yeah this is this is where i am home and uh i had <laughs> i had a weird question because i don't know if we'll bring it up ever during like goes we as we pass through this is this place taking place in like a reasoning as to why something's going on in this universe like is this where like nixon stays president or something like that 
Yes. What do you mean? Because Dr. Manhattan, when he's created, he stops the Vietnam War. So therefore, Nixon doesn't get because they stopped the war. Nixon's involved. He gets wins more terms. Okay, Essentially, okay, he's on his yeah. fifth term yeah. in this case. Yeah. Nixon is so praised for using Dr. Manhattan that Congress actually does away with term limits. So are you serious? Yeah, <laughs> it, it actually says that in there. And like it's a little quick blink and you miss it. Congress talking about passing or getting rid of term limits for Nixon. Oh, yeah. I mean, Moore is not really subtle about his commentary, especially in like the golden age uh, in the under the hood uh, book and everything. Like a lot of the heroes are borderline fascist. They're so right wing. So it's just like that. He's he's not being subtle when he's like superheroes. If they're real, they are in lockstep with the Republican Party. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> okay. There's some trying to There's something else I just thought of that. See if it comes back to my head. Nope, didn't work. Okay. <laughs> I had a thought. I'm like, well, I didn't. Yeah, nothing. Just could not find it. Like my favorite thing about this book, and when I started it, it really kind of hit me again. Is like I can just imagine Alan Moore sitting down to start this up, and he's just like, "Man, what if I just made a book where everybody was just the goddamn worst?" I'm going to do that. And this is what happened. Because everybody in this book is awful. Everyone. All the characters are. Every single damn one of them is horrible. Oh, and to add to the history thing, the reason why Nixon's still president is that in this world, the comedian covered up Watergate. So that never, so Nixon never got caught with that. Yeah. They do make a one-off comment about Woodward and Bernstein being found dead in the garage. Yeah. Oh. (laughs) (laughs) So, yeah. Like, it is subtle, it ain't, boys. So, yeah, I mean, I feel like the comedian, if he was still around in 2020, I know who he'd be. I know what, what side he'd be on. So that's what's uh, awesome. He'd be like, what? Well, he'd be an old man on Twitter now. <laughs> he'd be, he'd like, be on Twitter, Antifa, would he be on other, other social media that someone else is on? I can't remember the name of it. Oh, Truth? Is that what it's called? Yeah. yeah it's, I don't know what it's called. I'm pretty sure it's the truth is uh, <laughs> Dick Fart. Social That's media. where the comedian would be. Oh I don't think God. so. I think the comedian would be on Twitter because he would know that his reach would be wider. But he would hundred percent be paying for that little blue check mark. <laughs> his his profile pic. He'd be with like the the uh, Wheel of Fortune guy, just like retweeting, you know, like made up things about Portland seceding or whatever. <laughs> his profile picture would be like the picture of him from like the sixties and like full uniform. Yeah. <laughs> so i have never been a fan of this book it's, i mean I, so I read this three times uh, this was the first time that i read it i think the first time i read it was on my phone so it wasn't good but that wasn't that was my own problem i'm reading on a freaking phone i read it on a tablet for this for this reading i, I mean i did read a couple of issues of the trade but i like the tablet just, i mean it's a decent size tablet, big enough so it didn't hurt it but I just, I don't enjoy this book. I also don't like things with really dark asshole characters that aren't named Bruce Wayne. So I wasn't, it didn't, it like, like, this kind of like, we'll, we'll see how we, we go. But just kind of like start with the first issue of this. Like everything with the comedian about how you see him get killed. And I also don't like how brutal this book is. I don't really like that. It turns me off. Yeah, I know that's part of the, the, the whole point of this comic. It is. And I'm intrigued. I don't like really brutal stuff, I've noticed. And maybe the fact that this is, like, all the characters are essentially kind of far right in a way, maybe that turns me off, too. 
I think my favorite part about reading this is I uh, I was going through like the first chapters and the the I think one thing that's interesting is the comedian's outfit changes a lot and as soon as I saw him here seeing a get wearing a get mask I was like oh Mike's gonna hate that <laughs> <laughs> I did like that one random woman that yeah the owl guy was sleeping with that he kind of makes a comment of that wore like a dominatrix outfit I was like okay that's cool but no I didn't care for the comedian at all I saw that mask too I'm like oh come on. <laughs> Mike, I just didn't like you, the guy. Are you repressed, Mike? <laughs> <laughs> oh, I just didn't like. I don't like the comedian. That's all of No, I know. I like Night Owl though. Oh, <laughs> a guy in his forties who's depressed and had a bunch of money and built a freaking like airship. I like him. Did he have a bunch of money? A lot of these. He a lot did. Of, he he did at of, some point. I have a lot of questions about this book that I'm kind of like I don't understand some stuff. Feel free. I have two people here that can probably answer your question if I can. We answered one of them is like, did he have money at one point? Also, does he live in a house? Because I feel like it's weird to have an apartment that has like a back bat cave and you live in, a, in an apartment. Yeah, it looks like he's living in a house. Like it looks like a New York brownstone that he just mm-hmm. bought. And he has to have money because he bought that. And he bought the warehouse that the subway goes to. Like he and he built all of that owl crap like he's gotta have money yeah no yeah. They, they say he inherited a bunch of money from his father and then instead yeah. of like investing it he built made himself a superhero yeah i mean he tells laurie that and he seems you know kind of embarrassed but that's way later so are we gonna i guess how, how do we want to do this how do we want to break down going through all of this because that's like chapter seven or whatever you know let's just talk i don't yeah. i don't think i really want to go through this page chapter by chapter even let's just talk and see where we end up we we can just start. We can start. But the one I was put in the chat, the one thing I like about this book is every other chapter is basically just a character's arc. And you kind of get what each character is doing. You get some of their backstory and some of the future story and all that. So really, technically, the first part of this book is basically just about the comedian and his murder. And as far as beginnings go. Oh, man. Oh, man. This is a good beginning. Like I that, don't like it, but I will give you that as a good beginning. Yes. That first page with Rorschach's journal entry and then the cop looking down the building. Just a hell of a thing. And again, that's that's great graphic storytelling, because on the first read, you don't, you have no idea what you're looking at. You know, you're, you just see the uh, comedian's logo uh, going into a drain and then Rorschach walking past. But you don't know that's Rorschach. You don't know that that's blood yet. You don't know that he fell out of a window and is just basically just <laughs> they're cleaning up the mess of the splatter. That's the comedian. No, you don't know anything. You just see that stupid smiley face with blood on it. Yeah, so it's it's I feel like I said, and the, the this isn't Stan Lee where he's like, true believer, you'll believe that uh, someone could walk through some blood. What's this? <laughs> it's not ketchup <laughs> where, you know, it's not. It's not calling attention to what it is you're looking at. It's framing it like, hey, there's sequential storytelling going on. Time is passing. You also have a futuristic bust that you can't really see. Later, it becomes clear that there that some things in this world are like futuristic and different from our world. But you don't really know like why yet. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like it really just sets up a lot because looking at the guy who's using the hose in front of the building you could think, oh, that's a butcher, and he's, like, cleaning off the sidewalk for some reason. Yeah. He's got, like, a little paper hat and an apron, and, you know, you look a little further, and, oh, yeah, it is. He's in front of a deli in the next panel. You can see that. Oh, okay. So then you're like, oh, something must have happened outside the deli, and then you look up, and that last line of that first page, that's quite a drop. Oh, 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 no. (laughs) 
Yeah, then it just like goes into the whole thing of how the comedian was killed and all that. And I feel like the first chapter is very. It doesn't. Well, okay, the first chapter introduces you to all the characters, or not all of them, but a bunch of them, like Rorschach and Night Owl. And you have uh, a bunch of people's opinions running around back and forth because you have, you know, people who used to run around with the comedian in the heyday. You have the one part, which is probably the start of where our conversations, this whole podcast is going to get controversial, which is the Silk Spectre. What is, what is her name? Jen? Jenny? Juniper? Sal? I was going to say Sally. I don't know who you're talking about. Lori no, Lor- and Sally. Yes. The her and her daughter where they're, they're taking the conversation of where she says why why she wants to go to the funeral because you find out the comedian ended up raping her when they were younger yep yeah when they attempted yeah no not attempted no. well no he had, he attempted to rape her and then he got be- the shit beat out of him by the hood and later on they had a relationship oh okay well it wasn't really a relationship but we'll get there we'll get there okay <laughs> yeah, we'll she fucked there. up off of that yeah that works okay <laughs> We'll go with that. So, yeah, because, I mean, that's kind of... And then, yeah, it introduces Dr. Manhattan, too, and how he's not human. And what I really think is clever is how they introduce everybody through Rorschach. Mm -hmm. Like, this kind of... It puts everybody in a very uncomfortable environment, so you automatically see them at their worst. Yeah, because Rorschach breaks in everywhere. He breaks into the, the plant... I mean, the U- the army base where Dr. Manhattan is, he sneaks into Osmanius' office building and sneaks out a window. Yeah. He breaks into Dan's uh, house. Multiple times. And each yeah, week. he just keeps doing it. <laughs> <laughs> he's buying new locks. He's breaking them. Yeah, for a guy who's rich, he sure can't afford a decent fucking front door. <laughs> I don't think it's that hard to break down a front door, though. Either. <laughs> yeah. I, it can be. I've never broken a door, so I can't speak. I've broken a wall with my shoulder, but it wasn't on purpose. I was pushed through a wall. And again, um, the two, I, I mean, people always, I think, give Alan Moore enough credit, but they don't give the artist en- enough credit for uh, how good a job he does. He does such a good job of, like, not glamorizing anything. Like, he oh. he makes sure that Rorschach's clothes always, like, his, uh, he's always just like looking tattered. Um, and then <laughs> night owl is like probably 30 pounds overweight. Like he's a big guy, but he looks kind of like Clark Kent, but like fat. Yeah. yeah. And yeah, so every, there's nothing where, and then even, um, Sally or Lori, uh, whichever one is the younger one, Lori, <laughs> Lori, right? Younger yeah, one. Lori. Lori's the younger one. Um, yeah. she is, you know, I don't know if she does in the first issue, but she's like constantly smoking. You know, she doesn't seem like particularly, you know, she's she's not being like sexy for the sake of being sexy. She's just like a nervous wreck. And she's smoking like fifth element cigarettes fucking for some reason. Because <laughs> yeah, it's, it's the, the future. future. The future. It's I a futuristic version of the 80s. No, it's the second issue that you were talking about at the funeral and stuff where she's visiting your mother. OK, because the first issue is very much Rorschach and how you're introduced to everything. And then I think the second issue, now that you guys brought that up, that kind of curious now, I feel like maybe that's more of her in the second issue where you're hearing things from her point of view. Probably. Yeah, because she talks about the rape, the attempted rape with the comedian. And then you have the where they first, where, yeah, where she first met Dr. Manhattan and the, where they had the meeting. They were going to try to put together the crime fighters and nothing happened. Mm-hmm. That's all in, in the second issue. Right. And that's, you know, I don't I don't know if anybody read the like extra stuff, but that's one of the no. things is that basically in the 40s, just kind of like in you know the real world, when Golden Age superheroes all shut down, they kind of stopped doing it. And there weren't any superheroes really uh, until, 
you know, the sixties, they try to restart it. You've got, you know, Rorschach and Night Owl working together. You've got a few other sort of isolated heroes. And then you just have Dr. Manhattan, who is kind of property of the United States government. He lets them believe he's their property. <laughs> yes. <laughs> he's also the only real superhero in this, too. Yeah. I mean, we're not really a superhero, but he's the only one with power, really. Right. And this is, again, he because Alan Moore wants it to be like, what if this was just, the you know, the real world? where it's like you don't have a murder clown that shows up every week to fight you. It's like, no, you basically just beat up like enough drug dealers. And then you're like, well, I guess I'm done. I'm done for a day. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I mean, that's what it would be if we had if we had vigilantes like that. I mean, you know, you'd just be beating up gangsters and yeah, you wouldn't have any. There's not, you know, there's no supervillains. Right. There's not because it's not it's the real world. There's no marketing reason for the Joker to exist. None of them really have like a, oh, this I'm your arch enemy kind of character. Although, I mean, Moloch is a little bit of an arch enemy, but like not really. I mean, wasn't he just, he just what some guy that just kept committing crimes? Yeah, he was basically just like a crime boss. He's like one of this, you know, Silver Age Spider-Man villains that's like working for the Kingpin or whatever. Now, now, to be fair, we we were, we're talking about this. But if I was like a guy and I was like, man, there's sure are a lot of superheroes around. I think maybe I could try being a supervillain and I turn the corner and Rorschach's like kicking curb stomping some guy into the road. I'd probably be and he gets away with it like no one cares. I'd probably be like, no, that's not a good idea. I like having my fucking teeth. Yeah, I mean, uh, they that's a joke in what the end of the first issue, right, where they talk about like meeting a guy who basically is just a masochist. He's just like, beat me up, please. Oh, yeah. Captain Carnage <laughs> or whatever. <laughs> Why does it came my brain was candy bar, candy bar? That's what popped in my brain just now. When you have to and match and then Rorschach threw him down an elevator shaft. <laughs> <laughs> Look, you want pain, nothing. I'll give you pain. <laughs> that might be the funniest thing in this damn book. Like, every time I read it, I laugh. When I was watching it in the movie today, I laugh. Like, it's just funny. Yeah, there's, I think there's, I, this is a very dark book. There's some really funny bits. Like, We mentioned the lock thing. The fact that every scene we're introduced to Dan, there's a different locksmith installing a new lock (laughs) is a funny bit. Yeah, because there's not a whole lot of I mean, you need some funny stuff because like everything is so dark. I mean, you know, you have everything with like the comedian, like in the second issue, when you have them talking about like some riots that happened, like it was like what the 70s or something. There was a riot that they were part of. Yeah, a riot from police, like police were striking. Because they were like, we're not going to do our jobs. You don't need us to. You have these vigilantes. Okay, and that's kind of when, like, the is this supposed to be, like, the Vietnam era then, too, I think? Yes. Is that, yeah, is that after they win Vietnam? Yeah, Yeah, after they win Vietnam, and then you have the comedian gets his face all fucked up because he's an asshole. Yeah. Because he shoots a pregnant woman with his kid. Oh, man. Comedian's like a piece of shit. Yeah, I like it, too, because he he is mad at Dr. Manhattan, like, you could have stopped this. And it's like, yeah, you also could have stopped this, dude, by not being such a piece of shit. By not pulling the trigger. Like, it's not that hard. <laughs> yeah, right? but at the same time, the comedian isn't wrong. And this is where I'm going to start hating myself a lot during this podcast, because I'm going to say that a lot. <laughs> and I'm uncomfortable <laughs> with it. But, like... The comedian, was he wrong for doing that? Yes, absolutely. I do not advocate for shooting women that are pregnant with your children in a third world country. Not <laughs> cool. But, but Dr. Manhattan <laughs> could have stopped him. Should have. If he was so concerned about her life, 
Why didn't he do anything? Because he doesn't care. Right. Yeah. And that is the first time that it's ever brought up that, you know, you pretend to care. You're not, that's not caring. Caring is doing, not pretending. He doesn't care on anything. I mean, he, he stops the Vietnam War, but I'm assuming it's more of he's probably close to when he first became Dr. Manhattan and he's still kind of warped in the idea of following what the United States wants, where later on he just doesn't give a shit anymore. Right. It well, is rather nice that he did wear a nice little leotard thing during the Vietnam War, though, so he didn't have blue dong hanging. Yeah, it was nice. Did he actually had clothes on for a change. That, that was nice of him. But yeah, I mean, the he's later it's more explicit, but he is sort of beyond humans to the point where, you know, it's like, yeah, if you're if you feed a mouse to you know your cat the cat's happy but the mouse is upset and he's just like he he kind of sees both of these as like yeah these are not people to me like they're these are not my equals whatever they do i you know if i interfere it changes things uh because i'm like so far beyond everything oh and this is also has one in the it's in the second issue has the famous picture of who watches the watchman kind of thing being that they spray paint Oh, that damn thing that keeps coming up throughout the entire damn book. Yeah, that one. Yeah, and the and the other reason why I want to mention this because I just got to watching the Star Trek episode of Next Generation Who Watches the Watchers. <laughs> <laughs> so, which came out after this book. So I was curious what came first. Yeah, and chapter two, it continues. Like, this is set up like as a mystery until what? Around like chapter six or seven when it just sort of gives up on being a mystery. But when he meets Moloch, the, the you know, kind of crappy villain we mentioned earlier, it, it is set up like a mystery where he's like, oh, another superhero coming to me? Like, what's going on? And he's like, what do you mean? And so he finds out that the comedian, like a week before his death, went to Moloch and was like a mess. And he thought he was going to kill him or himself. And, you know, a week later, he's murdered. So, so, of course, Rorschach is like, hmm. Okay, and that's what leads into, like, that doesn't get answered until way late in this book when you finally find out what the comedian find out found out. Yeah. Yeah. That led to who killed him. And yeah, okay. I remember bits and pieces of it, but not a whole lot. And what I really like about this book, like you see it during the Moloch story, but this does a lot of like match cuts, essentially. I mean, they're not match cuts, but match panels, like where the comedian is like holding Moloch by the shirt and like somebody explained it to me. And then the next panel is the exact same thing, but it's Rorschach. And that happens a lot throughout this book. So I I personally think that the way they have that structured a lot of the sometimes is just to show, hey, yeah, they're different people, but are they different? Are they? No. I think probably one of my top favorite lines from this book is probably in the second chapter where so you you have a uh, Rorschach talking to Moloch and he leaves and he's like walking down the street and he's like a prostitute offered me Swedish and French love. But not American love. God, how I want some American love and a Coke and a glass bottle. And I'm just reading it. And I'm like, shut the fuck up. <laughs> and then you went out and buy a burger after reading this. No, it was like it was, it was towards the ending because I, I finished it. To, I got about halfway through throughout the week and I decided I need to sit down and read it today. So I combed through the rest of it today. And I think it's somewhere in the ending where he's like, oh, I could go for it. A big American hamburger. And I'm like, oh, me too. I'm going to get something to eat. Yeah. It, uh, hey, it worked. Uh, the the product advertisement from 30 years ago got you to buy a burger. <laughs> this chapter 2 is the scene, the one where we see uh the like sort of highlights of the comedian's life set to Rorschach 
uh, retelling the Pagliacci joke that has, you know, kind of made the rounds on Twitter and everywhere else the past decade. Of... <laughs> I, mm, I got a big problem with this joke. <laughs> What's the joke? So the joke is man goes to doctor, says he's depressed, says life seems harsh and cruel, says he feels all alone in a threatening world where what lies ahead is vague and uncertain. Doctor says treatment is simple. Great clown Pagliacci is in town tonight. Go and see him. That should pick you up. Man bursts into tears, says, but doctor, I am Pagliacci. So my issue with this joke, and afterwards it does say, good joke, everybody laugh, roll on snare drum, curtains. Pagliacci is the musical. Grimaldi is the character. <laughs> and this has led to a critical misunderstanding. Pagliacci is literally the Italian word for clown. Oh, okay. So I, I have heard that joke, but I did not hear where he was called uh, Pagliacci. I heard something else. And uh, okay, now that makes more sense. Yeah, you can literally okay. substitute any funny thing in here. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, and that brings us to chapter three. Which is where they start the the comic that I didn't like, the comic within the comic. Where there's this kid throughout the book for a good chunk reading a comic, and then that's always in a different text box, and I don't like it. Like, I stopped reading it. <laughs> I didn't read I the didn't, Black Sails thing. Okay. I didn't get it either. I was I didn't understand what the point of it was, so I just kind of... I've read it before, three years ago, and I'm like, <sighs> I just don't want to. I'm just done, and I just stopped. I mean, you don't, it's not like you have to. You don't have to eat your vegetables. I mean, it's a comic book. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> no, I know. It, it's a thing with me where I try to read all all panels and everything in a comic book. But, but this also has a lot of words. I like my comic book. Have more though, man. I uh, want a page of this Batman punching. Like, oh, cool. And then I put the page and I'm on, you know, there's some text boxes. So yeah. I, don't, I don't read normal books. And uh, when I don't, my husband says it's because I have ADHD. Maybe it's the same thing for you, Mike. Maybe you have ADHD. Uh, yeah, I don't read too many regular books either. <laughs> Only when I travel. but no there's a good scene in here that i I really want to talk about so you have that comic thing and you have the part with which (laughs) this part cracks me up i don't know if it's supposed to but cracks me up personally where dr manhattan is having sex with what the hell is her name laurie laurie and all of a sudden there's two of them (laughs) and she's like what the fuck (laughs) like three hands touching her (laughs) she gets out of you know she opens her eyes there's two of them and then she finds out he's still working while having (laughs) trying to have sex there with other bodies I don't get why she's so mad. Like, she's like, you were in here working while you you made a clone of yourself to have sex with me. And it's like, yeah, he's busy. Goddamn. <laughs> why are you mad? <laughs> well, it's because he he is not giving her, like, uh, his undivided attention, like, ever. <laughs> yeah. He's got busy stuff doing. He's working. He's working here. <laughs> oh, I also didn't catch that when she leaves him, the taxi cab driver that she gets in the car with the same one that's ne- later on beating up her girlfriend. Yep. Yes. The lesbian. Okay. I did not catch that before. Yeah. That's one thing. And it, there, cause this character is a lesbian. There is also a gay couple in the restaurant uh, where Lori and um, what's his name? Night owl are having lunch. So two, men, two men holding hands. So like it's, this book is for what the mid eighties. It's trying to show like a world where it's not just everyone is a like, you know, straight heterosexual person. Even the people who are, are pretty, I guess they're into role playing. And (laughs) yet, and yet silhouette from the original fifties Minutemen gets murked because she's a lesbian. 
Yes, that's in the uh, under the hood, like chapter two or three. They're like, yeah, we regret kicking her out. And then she is basically uh, murdered as a political act, as a hate crime. Oh, uh, sorry. Oh, let me guess. You didn't read those either, did you, Mike? No, I didn't read those. I didn't either. I'm sorry. Uh, <laughs> read this book three times, all three times. Oh, that's uh, nice. I just skip them. One of one of the uh, two, I guess two of them, because there's the Hooded Justice guy. He is in a relationship with a with another guy. And one of them is like a Polish or Austrian immigrant who there's like a whole part where they're like, yeah, they wanted us to stay neutral in World War Two. And you're like, gee, I wonder why. <laughs> oh, yeah. Like Sally Jupiter is Polish immigrant. Her grandmother or mom right. was. Right. And. Silhouette asks her, you know, oh, well, what do you think about going over there? And Sally's like, why the hell should I know? Like, there's some very interesting racial things going on here. But yeah, as, um, as you as you kind of find out in the second issue, um, Lori visits her mom, the original Silk Spectre, and she kind of became a superhero as a publicity stunt, it seems like. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, we need a sexy woman on the team kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah. Well, she actually started the team. Her manager was the one who was like, hey, let's get a group together. And she put out a call for like other costumes to join. Oh, well, that's cool. So like it was by her intervention that the Minutemen actually happened. Well, her managers, who she would later <laughs> go on to marry. Right. So I had like a weird sense of whiplash at, like during like I think it's the third chapter of the book. And <laughs> just uh, there. Yeah. Um, <laughs> no, no, because I, I, I guess I wasn't like I was kind of half paying attention because I was trying to read this part at work. And like, so you're, we're, you're introduced, you know, you have Lori walk off and while she's walking off, they're interviewing a woman about her relationship with Dr. Manhattan. And I'm like, wait, is that supposed to be Lori in the future? Now she has cancer. I don't know why I would think that, but like I said, I wasn't really paying attention. Oh, that was uh, Dr. Manhattan's ex-girlfriend. Yeah, that, yep. yeah that's, that's the girlfriend who he's with in the 60s when comedian is like, you guys are idiots. I'm leaving. Yeah. <laughs> that, that also kind of comes yeah that comes into play in this issue where he goes to the tv network and you have them saying oh you gave this guy cancer and this person has cancer and are you radioactive and he freaks out and teleports them outside (laughs) and again it's like if he was i guess really thinking if you know he's got you see him put back together like the beaker that sally destroys he's he's basically has the power to eradicate whatever he you know he can control matter like, why couldn't he go to his ex's, you know, sick bed and be like, I just cured your cancer. You're welcome. You know, like what's stopping him from trying? He never yeah. even thinks of doing it. Well, well I mean, sorry. Go ahead. No, you go ahead, Ken. I was just going to say he gets this sprung on him, literally. And there is just he has a temper tantrum <laughs> and a lot happens in between then and now. Like, he finds out that he might be radioactive. He is concerned about everybody's safety around him. So after his interview, he just fucks off to Mars. Yeah. And then this is when it kind of talks about his whole origin, too, I think, in this chapter. Also, or is that later? No, that's his no, chapter. No, it's the next chapter. We, I think this is the best chapter in the book. <laughs> this is also when you have the... Okay, I did laugh at the part where Night Owl and Lori are fighting. They fight the random gang that tries to rob them. And then right after they get done, she has to have a smoke. And it just remind me because anyone who, yeah, just it made me think of like anyone who smokes when you have sex, you have to smoke afterwards. And that's okay, what made me look, have to. You don't have to. Every woman I've been with that smoke after we had sex, they went and smoked. So that's all my brain went to. 
Well, that that is what it's supposed to be implying. It's supposed to imply yeah. that they had a good time doing that. Yeah. 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 That's so what my brain went to because she's smoking like, heavily okay. and looking at each other, and then it's awkward. Yeah. So yeah, no, it's totally sex. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, when he goes to Mars, I think that's also interesting too. Like, oh, I think it shows when he goes to the plant and kind. Of, yeah, they don't tell you the story, but it, like, it shows him picking up this random picture. I think is this when he starts talking all weird yet, or is that yes. later? No, that's the beginning of chapter four when he starts really talking weird. Okay, and then when he leaves, that's when they start talking about the nuclear thing of what could happen. Where they draw Nixon, you can see his giant nose, which made me laugh. And the jowls. Don't forget the jowls. <laughs> <laughs> Nixon did one good thing. He opened up America to China. The only good thing he did is help that that happened during his presidency. I don't think he did anything else good. Maybe oh. EPA. Oh, okay. That was good. Never mind. Then. And, and then Too we're introduced thing. to like, because Dr. Manhattan leaves Earth, Russia invades Afghanistan. Yeah. Oh, that's never happened before. <laughs> yeah, that, that would never happen. Oh, that God. Was that the 80s when that happens in real yeah. life? Okay, so this would have been around the same... That's when uh, Rambo first blood is dedicated to the Mujahideen. Yeah, that, that's that's still age. in the credits, I wonder. That's going to age perfectly because <laughs> they're fighting <laughs> Russia. They're good. Mm, I love <sighs> it when things age to like fine milk. <laughs> yeah, because yeah, a lot of shit that happens later on can be traced back to that. So, Well, here's my question. Having played um, Metal Gear Solid 5, uh, does Solid Snake exist in the Watchmen world? Because I think him and the comedian would get along just fine. <laughs> no. <laughs> Maybe Big Boss. If you're thinking Metal Gear Solid 5, that'd be Big Boss. Yes. Or Big Boss is not a good guy. Like, I don't... No, we're not going down this Metal Gear Solid. <laughs> <We're not>. <laughs> <laughs> okay, Chapter 4 is the one that opens up. Yeah, I see. Where he's talking about how... Okay, how he became Dr. Manhattan and he wanted to make watches and then he... Okay, talk about he met that girl, and then he gets locked locked in a freaking nuclear thing. Like, is it atomic testing thing? He's locked in by accident. Yeah, yes. and and this is like you know this is again he's supposed to be Captain Adam, but this is Alan Moore being like this is the Silver Age. This is the Flash being a science based character. This is Spider Man being bitten by a radioactive spider and Fantastic Four cosmic rays. Like science oh. is causing him to get powers instead of just being like guys in tights like the forties was. Yeah. Okay, I didn't catch that. That that makes perfect sense. Okay, that explains it. I mean, it's an interesting way that they show him, like, how he become, you know, how he's slowly becoming more and more there as he's learning to control himself. Okay, I love that sequence so damn much. Like, where, like, his brain just shows up. Yeah. <laughs> he's walking around. Like, every <laughs> November 10th, I post the circulatory system walking through the kitchen on Facebook. <laughs> <laughs> like, you should. And we got to talk about the art here. Like when John Osterman is blown to bits into atomic particles. Good fucking luck finding anything creepier and more haunting than that picture. Uh, I think the one where he gets blown to bits later is pretty creepy as well. Yeah. With, the, with the cap thing? Yeah. Uh, this one's just so bad because his eye is just staring. Oh, yep. Yeah. I did not get that. Yeah. It uh, is pretty yeah. creepy. Oh, yeah. And, and that just... It makes you feel like, oh, shit, he knows what's happening to him. Yeah, it's yeah. it's so cool. And yeah, I love the scene of his like return where all the, all the characters are, you know, their hair is standing on end because there's just basically like this electrical charge of, you know, whatever it is. And then he just appears like Jesus <laughs> um, with, his, with his dick hanging out. And he's like, here he is. He's back. Yeah. 
he's all muscles. <laughs> yeah, was he that ripped before he went in? No. That's he's like, a, I mean, you could reform yourself. I mean, that's what you would probably do. I don't know, man. I'm pretty happy with my body now. So, I mean, that's the idea, I think, would be that you would form yourself to be a muscular being. I mean, it's what Alan Moore thought he would do if he had that ability. I don't no. know. I've seen a picture of the guy, so I'm going to say no. Look, since he, Alan Moore is like a, you know, fuck up wizard, I he can do whatever the hell he wants to. I'm not going to say a crossword about him. <laughs> well, he's a little like a buff guy, that's all. The picture I have from 2008 where he looks like he's got a huge beard. Yeah, I mean, he's he's gone all in on looking like that. Yeah, I love that he's basically <laughs> just he's like, I went and fought like gangs and stuff, but it wasn't even like fair because I am just exploding people's heads. <laughs> yeah. <sighs> yeah, so you see him blow up a tank and stuff and he fights. Oh, yeah, cause he fights the Russians. And yeah, that's when they OK, that's where they stand back because he can just murder. I will say, and I don't know if you're if you were defending. Well, you weren't really defending the comedian. But uh, I'm canceling Dr. Manhattan. He meets Laurie. And I don't know if you've done the math on how old Laurie is. Oh, when no. he's like, in the future, we're going to be a couple. We're going to start dating, right? And you're like, wait, how old are you? Is she now? Because the answer is not 18. Yeah, I'm pretty sure she's like 16 or 17 yeah. here. They, yeah. they, they meet at 14. They meet, he meets her at 14. And I believe... In whenever she's doing an interview where she talks about how she's developed lung cancer, she also talks about how, like, he ran off with, like, a 16-year-old girl in her underwear, which is supposed to be, yeah. Yeah, yeah. so but, he sees her and then sees his future of, like, oh, I'm going to be in a relationship with her in 1985. But it's like, that's 20 years from now, man. <laughs> but, like, he knows. And that's, <laughs> that's what bugs me so much about manhattan like i don't mean bugs me like you know oh i hate this character i feel bad for him because like what what's the point i wouldn't want to know the future like this effectively applies that free will is not a thing nothing like, is true everything is permitted and fuck it we're not there yet mike <laughs> <laughs> a, a lot of a lot of his backstory and a lot of stuff that is to come and, and uh, we we're talking about earlier is a reason why he does a lot of the stuff that he does is because he can see in the future. Well, yeah, he gets with Laurie when she's like, oh, when she's like 16, because he sees that they're still together in 20 years. So he's like, oh, well, yeah, if I get her with 16, it's still the same thing. So it's whatever he, you know, whenever the comedian shoots that woman, he sees himself not doing anything and everything's still fine afterwards. So he's like, fuck it, I'm not going to do anything. And that kind of is like, you have to remember that's a driving force to like, most of this book is it's like, well, why does he do what he does? Well, because he's seen that's how it works out and everything works out in the end. So he just doesn't give a shit. That's fair. I mean, Fuck. I just don't I don't like. Well, I mean, again, you're not supposed to. But I really don't like Dr. Manhattan. I don't like that stuff with him and Lori. Like, yeah, why he, you know, he's oh, fucking weird. I mean, even if you see the future or not, just wait. Like, come on. Oh, like we'll be together in 20 years. OK, I'll just wait. Like it was a different time. Yeah. The 80s. <laughs> the 40s. Sixties. 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 Okay. It might have been okay. Sixties. Yeah. Yeah. Sixty six. Okay. Sixties was a different time. Yeah. I think we can all agree with that. Yes. Yeah. And then we have the other really weird part of his backstory where he's like, I saw the future and the future is electric cars, but we need more. What is it? Like something. They need more something to make electric cars. And he's like, I don't want to wait for electric cars. So he just makes it. And he goes, there you go. Lithium. Yes, lithium. There we go. Thank you. Yeah, they they he sees the future where they have electric cars and he's like, hey, you guys should start working on electric cars. 
but we need more lithium. And he just makes a bunch of it. And he goes, there you go. Have a good day. Yeah. Like, and that's crazy because that is also what electric cars now need, but we don't have a Dr. Manhattan. And God, this book is prescient. It's a prescient book. Like it, it feels like it knew what was coming. Okay. And then this chapter ends with him making his castle on Mars. Did you notice there's a like green, you know, star, you know, blinking as he's on Mars? That's Earth. Oh, Oh. I didn't catch that. Because you see, he looks up at the red star before he like teleports there. Uh, He's, you know, in the desert of where he started and then looks up to Mars. And then the next issue, he's looking at space and he sees Earth as a green dot. Oh, okay. I did not catch that. That's cool. And oh, oh, sorry. Let's say yeah, we, we have also where they talk about the the heroes revealing their secret identities, no longer being heroes, and uh, probably a other funny moment of the book of them finding what they say, like 10 child molesters with their necks broken with like letters that say never. And they're like, oh, that's Rorschach. So, <laughs> I guess he's not doing it. OK, <laughs> it is hard to root against Rorschach in that moment. You're like, oh, <laughs> when he's like, you don't have a permit for that handgun. You're like. Calm down, Rorschach. <laughs> Being a vigilante is illegal. <laughs> yeah, because it, it, this is the same part when he breaks in the, in the next chapter when he breaks in the Moloch's apartment again. Yes. And that's where, yeah, that's where he makes that comment. Well, you, you, you don't have a handgun. It's not legal. Like, yeah, you murder people. Like, <laughs> you're not exactly, you're not a law-abiding citizen here, buddy. I really, really like the way this chapter ends with the quote from Einstein. Oh, yeah, that, uh... The release of atom power has changed everything except our way of thinking. The solution yeah. to this problem lies in the heart of mankind. If only I had known, I should have become a watchmaker. Which is exactly what Manhattan starts out as. I thought that was nice. Yeah. And, and this is this is a world where instead of, you know, uh, mutually assured destruction, it's basically the U.S. has the, you know, the atom bomb and no one else can have one because he's it. Yeah, like you can have atom bombs, but we have the capital A atom bomb. Yeah, we don't need a Star Wars defense. We just have Dr. Manhattan be like, no, we got to just make all your missiles fall down. We got this blue guy and his dicks hanging out. (laughs) He's hardcore. (laughs) Your move, Russia. We have blue dong. <laughs> oh, I need to cut that out and make it a little little thing. Okay. <laughs> out of context. <laughs> As a note to self, Mike, when you edit this, do that. <laughs> All right. I'm looking through chapter four to see anything else that I wanna what's worth mentioning. Oh, this is when you have uh Osman Osmandi uh, what the fuck his name is? Osmandinius? Ozymandias. You have Oz, where he almost gets assassinated, but has his secretary get killed instead, yeah. and then murders the guy. Yeah. Well, he's know. he says he's like, no, he's cho- he's got a cyanide pill. <laughs> yeah, but that's, he has to shove it in his mouth, right? <laughs> yeah, we find out later he shoved that in the guy's mouth. <laughs> oh, I never thought about that. Okay. Oh, that's so yeah. funny. Yeah, again, this scenes like that are like the scenes that Zack Snyder makes like 20 minute long scenes of like fighting this guy. He also makes it. They have like spooky music play the first time Ozymandias shows up in the movie. Yeah. So (laughs) So you're like, who could it be? No, now. So 
I'm, I'm gonna reference it later i i think i had a much better time reading the comic now that i've never seen the movie but there are like two scenes in this book where i'm like there's two scenes in the movie where i'm like oh they did it better in the movie than they did in the book okay have we gotten to them yet no uh i can say them real quick and they both involve rorschach it's, it, I don't. I don't want to forget about it. There in in the movie, there it has Rorschach screaming at the at the prisoners, where he's like, "You're not locked in. I'm not locked in here with you. You're locked in here with me." That's pretty cool in the movie. I'll yeah. give him that. And then the other one, because I think it's not really colored right personally, is whenever Rorschach goes to the bathroom to kill that guy, you can't really tell it's blood mixed with water. In the movie, you can tell. That's fair. Yeah, yeah, they don't really like, put it on there. And like, look, again, that's a props. funny scene because because Dan is like, oh well, I, I guess he has to go. That's why I put a special pouch so I could piss faster. <laughs> <laughs> like, there's a lot of humor in here, and some of the biggest stuff is stuff that we haven't even touched on, like the Indian food place being called the Gunga Diner. Come oh. on, get the fuck out of here. That's hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> That that's a fucking Kipling deep cut, man. I love it. Yeah, Alan Moore. Okay. If you if you ever read his other stuff, Top Ten, Promethea, all that stuff, he loves putting little jokes like that in like every store name, every book that a character is reading. He puts little jokes like that in there. Yeah, League of like, Extraordinary Gentlemen, of course. He is, I think, probably one of the most well-read creators that creates things. Like he is so well versed in so many different things. Which is how his stories end up so incredibly layered and are way funnier than they should be. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, this is also the issue where Rorschach then gets framed for murder where he goes to Moloch's apartment again, but Moloch's been killed and then he the cops show up and okay, that's when they he kills a few cops, but they still write. Okay, so real quick before we go past this shit out of him. I I I don't wanna keep missing this. The lock company that Dan gets his locks from, that Moloch gets his locks from, it's called the Gordian Knot Lock Company. Oh, that's and funny. How does Rorschach always get in? He doesn't pick the lock. <laughs> he just he breaks just, it. He just, just cuts the it. damn door in half essentially by kicking it in. And like that again, little shit just hilarious. So I- I will say that's uh, that's almost being too cutesy considering, you know, uh, Ozymandias later is like, I love Alexander the Great and the Gordian Knot, blah, blah, blah. And you're like, OK, we get it. Yeah. But I also but, I don't want to skip over because, again, uh, one of my favorite subplots of of Watchmen is because I was mentioning how even the straight characters are into role playing is that uh, Dan has Laurie come over. And she's like starting to change. And it is one of because, again, the art goes out of its way to not it's not cheesecakey for the most part. But Laurie starts like taking her shirt off and changing and Dan like right in front of Dan. And she's like, oh, you're like a big brother to me. (laughs) And the look on his face. Yeah. And then he just like sadly goes to to sleep and he's like, damn it. (laughs) It's uh-huh. it's such a good scene because it's like you can tell from the first issue that like they have some chemistry. Dan really likes her, but she doesn't really see him that way because he is this kind of like harmless kind of nice guy that she's not particularly attracted to until he you know gets in a fight and wants to be a superhero again. We'll get 
we'll get more about that later too because <laughs> which that that scene in the snyder movie is oh my god where they play like hallelujah over it so stupid oh <laughs> so I, like I should watch this movie once and for all for this we podcast. should do it for the podcast it's the only way i'm gonna watch it yeah if you don't like the comic because it's too dark uh the movie forgets all the humor we've been talking about and it's just like Man, this stuff is dark, huh? <laughs> I only like one thing Zack Snyder has produced that I've seen, and that's the four-hour cut of Justice League. That's like it. The the, uh, the next chapter, uh, chapter six. Again, uh, Snyder does a pretty good adaptation of this scene because it's just like this is just fucked up, isn't it? <laughs> oh, oh yeah, this uh, one you get Rorschach's backstory. Yeah, we we get his backstory, but I, I want to backpedal a little bit for the backstory, which is also I'm not saying he's my favorite character, but it's like a, a really funny note that I like is the the police, the police tackle Rorschach. And in the midst of a fight, uh, I don't think you see it, but you hear people, uh, the police talking about it where it's like, hey, did you see he shot a cop in the chest with a grappling hook and just <laughs> knocked him the fuck out? What an asshole. But um, they're tackling him and they're like ripping off his mask. And he's essentially like a five foot five redheaded guy. Because I think they said whenever they're like ripping his costume off, they're like, he's got elevator shoes. So he's really short. Yeah, that's messed up. Like It's pretty bad. Yeah, well, and you realize he's the guy that was uh, buying a copy of whatever magazine from the right wing person saying like, uh, the world's ending tomorrow. And they're like, yeah, OK, buddy. So his like day job is basically just carrying a sign saying the end is nigh. But no one pays attention to you, so it's a good idea. Yep, it's good work yeah. if you can get it. Yeah, you do. I mean, it does make sense, again, to recontextualize what we saw in the first page of the first issue. He is spying on the cops doing their investigation. That's why Rorschach is investigating the, you know, the apartment building later is he's like, he knows what happened. It's not wow. he didn't happen by. He's just doing the I'm a crazy guy. <laughs> yeah. I, I I I do not like him at all. Yeah, I'm not supposed to. So that's a good thing. Yeah, his backstory is interesting. Like, you know, they kind of show the idea of the whole thing of why he that he was abused by his mother and like, you know, saying that's why he became the way he was. And it's just I mean, I guess I guess most serial killers and stuff do have like some. I mean, not all. I mean, some have the trauma. Some. I mean, sometimes just some people are just they just flip. I guess is the way that to put it, and that's kind of what it is with this character. I feel. I mean, yes, he had trauma in his, in his childhood, but he just he just freaking flipped. You also have the weird B plot of like his psychiatrist becoming obsessed with him. Oh, oh, I love this. I love this. I do so like much. that. Yeah, and again, I love the art. Like this guy, it's it's he's so perfectly cast. As this sort of like middle class, you know, kind of slightly doughy, you know, in his late 40s, early 50s, you know, uh, daughter in college type guy. And Rorschach, when he's just like, I don't like you. And he's like, I like you. <laughs> she's like, you're soft. <laughs> it just shows him the kid where he like was about to bite a kid's face off, even though it's like they kind of like they were fucking with him. So then they got fucked with. But mm-hmm. I know I that, okay. That, that, to go earlier, that line is kind of cool, where he's like, "Oh, you're locked in here with me." But it's yeah. it's really effective in the movie. Okay, yeah. But what I want to talk about with the psychiatrist is as Rorschach tells his story. By the end of chapter six, you have the psychiatrist journaling like Rorschach talks, clipped sentences, looking down on everything, like. This man looked into the abyss, and it is gazing back at him. Mm-hmm. 
Like, yeah. and to prove it, they even put that Nietzsche quote at the end of the chapter. Like, it's it's really cool how much Rorschach affects the psychiatrist, who has probably dealt with people like him before. I mean, he works in a prison, so there's, you know, he's going to have dealt with other, you know, serial killers that would have come in and things like that. Except like this, this is a more famous type character. Also, and Rorschach isn't a serial killer, he's a vigilante... And he's doing it for good reasons in quotations that no one can see. So, like, <laughs> I mean, I guess that's kind of the idea, too. If if I can say one thing I do like about Rorschach, which isn't a lot, I do like his backstory of him, like, working at a factory. And I think that's actually how people make the real mask now, where there's, like, some kind of heat-sensitive dress. And I guess the woman who only one woman wore it or something, but the woman who wore it got like raped and tortured and killed. And he wears that as his mask. Yeah. Let's talk about that real quick because the Italian woman or the woman with the Italian name that bought this dress and never got it that he uses for his mask was named Katie Genovese, which is also the same impetus that the boondock saints use to become vigilantes, much like Rorschach. I didn't even put this together today until today that, like, Rorschach's journey is essentially similar to the Boondock Saints, and it's gross. Right. Well, and it's they're both based on the somewhat exaggerated story of a woman who was, in real life, I mean, uh, Kitty Genovese was really murdered in 1964, and there was an, a the New York Times said that there were 38 witnesses who saw or heard the murder happen. And that's the story is that no one did anything that she was murdered. The New York Times later clarified that that's, you know, it's not like 38 people were sitting there looking out the window. What? The New York Times lies? No. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was I, I was watching a video before this to kind of explain some of that. Like, yeah, it's based on a real life event, kind of. But also, like, when he's in the prison, like, when he throws the hot fat on the guy, like, you think in a prison they wouldn't let you just grab, you know, oil. Well, I bet they don't anymore. <laughs> Thanks, so, uh, Rorschach. I used to work in a prison, and I worked for the food service department, and the inmates cooked their food. And I can very much say, yeah, if a guy just walked up and grabbed a tray of hot food, it, it would happen. So, no, oh. that, that, that actually would happen. <laughs> you think it'd be more secured. Yeah, because, I mean, the thing, and Rorschach is very much so, uh, he's based on the question uh, we kind of mentioned earlier, mm. and he's, it's a lot of, and again, I think Moore is kind of making fun of it, but he's doing it in a way that he just, he sort of inadvertently makes him cool to teenagers. He's a moral absolutist. He is, and not to, I don't, not to go on too long about philosophy. I want to bring up, like, the other thing that happens in this chapter, is this where you have Rorschach finally, like, admits to, or or, like, he admits that when he's seeing those images, he's lying to what he actually sees. And he talks about the first uh, murder he did that really kind of flipped him about this guy who just killed a girl. That, that I mean, that was interesting. Like, when he finally, like, you know, when you see him finally, like, you know, break down and be like, okay, this is what happened. This is what I saw. This is what made me flip. Except I think he was already flipped. I'm not saying the guy deserved it, but he, yeah, he kind of deserved it. Yeah, I mean, yeah, he deserved it. Because I think... What what is it that they they kidnapped a girl thinking she was like a daughter of a millionaire, but it was just she's a daughter to some guy. And I guess when they didn't get the money, they fed her to a bunch of dogs. Yeah. Well, they killed her, but to get rid of the body, they fed the body to the dog. Yeah. Which I mean, again, you do have to get rid of a body. So. Yeah, but everybody knows pigs. Pigs are the way to do it. Come on. Oh, don't. Hannibal taught me. 
Yeah, don't remind me about that. Pigs are fucking weird like that. Yeah, they'll go through anything. <laughs> All right, so you were saying about philosophy. Yeah, okay. So let me let me take it back. Not to go on too long about philosophy, but Rorschach is like a pure Kantian uh, actor in that he basically is like, look, you have to have sort of rules to live by and you never break those rules. Whatever they are, you know, if the rule is don't lie, never lie. If your wife says, does this make me look fat? You say, yes, it does. <laughs> you know, like he is a moral, complete moral absolutist. And it in the context of the book, you're like, oh, he seems cool. <laughs> But it's also like it puts him in this situation where he kind of has to do what he does. Yeah. Look, I hate Kant. I hate Kant so damn much. Like, I've, uh, I hate him. Nobody else liked him either. His friend, he didn't have any friends. Nobody wanted to invite him to parties. Like, (laughs) he's just the worst. But, like, I think we can all agree, if you know anything about utilitarianism, that Ozymandias did the calculus there. Like, he's done his utilitarian calculus. He knows what's up. I don't think he's wrong. Right. Well, and that's, you know, that's the sort of freshman, you know, theme of you've got the pure, like, Kant, uh, Rorschach, and then uh, the pure utilitarian Ozymandias, and then everyone else is kind of somewhere in between the two of them. Yeah. And, like, looking back, you know, that's basically what my paper was on, just, like, kind of philosophically breaking down, putting everybody into little boxes. That's when I looked back at that paper today and I was like, God damn, I was an idiot. (laughs) (sighs) Well, I I mean, it's credit to all the professors out there who decide to read like the papers that 19 year olds write that they think are very smart. Yeah, well, here's the problem. I was 35, so (laughs) I yeah, mine it was a freshman seminar for me. I'm sure my paper was not anything where I was just like. You know, uh, superheroes are like the modern mythology or something that, you know, clever and no one's ever thought of before. Mm, yes, I mean, it's yes, true, yes. though. <laughs> it is true. In a sense. Uh, it will not be, a whole lot of religious worship uh, going on at the uh, Cineplex. But yeah, anyway. Hey, you and never it, know. Yeah. One could argue that Marvel does make almost a religious type devotion for their cinematic universe. You you could argue that. But yeah, we see Rorschach says that basically he was just a regular superhero. He's like, I wasn't really Rorschach then. And then you learn what made him what he is. And it's pretty dark. Yeah, it is. We it's talked about pretty... it a little bit during when after your cat decided you weren't going to rec- talk with us anymore. <laughs> damn good, though. Like, I this is if anything could cause somebody to have a complete and total separation with reality. This would probably be it. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I get it. 100%. Yeah. I mean, something like that has to affect a person, you'd think. Like, you know, to see someone just murdered, you know, and senselessly. Like, I feel like as humans, we can justify if a crime is done for greed or if a crime is done for, you know, revenge. But this is a crime that's done for really no reason. You start off as greed, but you didn't need to murder her for greed. I mean, as long as you kept your face covered, like, just, you know, return her. Like, you know, you fucked up, but... In the same way, the human is like, well, you're just you're nothing. So I'll just murder you. Right. Well, and again, like more as far as like what would, you know, superheroes really be like? It's like Spider-Man would be deeply traumatized by the life he leads and not just his constant concussion headaches. Um, <laughs> you know, he, he has like had so many horrible things happen to him that he would be sort of mentally broken if he yeah. wasn't a comic book hero who has to have another adventure next month. Oh, you mean like current comics now where he's basically Fred and owned MJ for some weird reason? Yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah, where every every month a new adventure, uh, we can't really change it because this is the status quo of Spider-Man for from 1975 or whatever it was to now. It has to be the same. Like, you want to impress me? You start actually killing off some of these characters, or like have them suffer lasting trauma. Like, don't no reboots, no none of that bullshit. Just make them the fucked up character that they absolutely would be. So what you're saying is you want Batman to die and Damian Wayne to be Batman from now on? Damian Wayne can fuck right off. You know that. (laughs) (laughs) We can can get Dick Grayson in there. No, it's got to be Damian Wayne for Ken. No, Dick Grayson can be Batman. That's fine. Are you sure, Ken? You want the 80s run of of Spider-Man where it turns out he killed Mary Jane with his radioactive semen? Because, you know, everything in the 80s was great. That that wasn't from the 80s. No, it wasn't. That was like the 90s? It was the 2000s, I think. Was it? I think that was... Yeah, the, it the, seemed something silly, so I thought it was like in the edges. No, it's a, like isn't it like a what if type thing situation or something? It, it is a mini series, but I think it's either late nineties or early two thousands. I've never it's read it, but I've heard of it. Yeah, it's definitely. Uh, I mean, like Craven's Last Hunt is eighties Spider Man, and that's good. I don't. Yeah, that's love real it. good. Yeah, that is pretty good. Yeah, I never read <laughs> it. Still good. I want to. Okay, and then bring, uh, the last thing to chapter seven that I want to mention is you have the Doctor. Or the psychiatrist sitting in his room looking at the ink block pictures and he's kind of like seeing like you know looking at his own like horror and stuff in his life and how he's unhappy i guess the way to put it yeah you have a the weird part where he won't sleep with his wife for some reason just because he's weird uh because he's talking to a psychopath and i guess yeah something like that you. like it it bothers you your work can absolutely interfere with your life like this oh god yeah and if you can't disconnect like this these are the things that will eventually happen to you yeah and then you'll be divorced too so. yep. well you can't let your i mean like i mean you haven't a lot of, i mean i've had some jobs I mean, i've never had a, like a depressed i've never worked in a frickin sane asylum or, or, a, or a police you know or a penitentiary or anything like that but i mean just i've had time where you know my work life has you know eroded too much into my home life especially 2020 we're not you know just everything was going on i mean i was a mess I recorded a lot of podcasts on 2020. Mm. <laughs> well, you do that. But no, I mean, it, it, it definitely can. Like, I, I try to have a very big work-life balance in my life. And, and I consider I also balance out this part of my also my, my second job that doesn't pay me in my life, too. <laughs> but uh, the green of chapter eight. And this is when you have. Okay, oh, this is when you have Lori being stupid and try, and showing how smoking kills you. And she try, almost tries to find a freaking cigarette lighter in a giant airship and. Almost lights the place on fire because she heat pressed the wrong button. Hey, look, I will have no bad talk about smoking. All right. <laughs> yes, I know you're a smoker. <laughs> yes, <laughs> Certainly, why making these comments? And it's but have, cool. But have you set your garage on fire? Uh, no, I haven't because I'm not an idiot and I don't have an owl with a flamethrower in my garage. <laughs> I bet you wish you did though. Well, I mean, shit, who doesn't? I wish I had an airship. I can tell you that. I hate heights, but an airship would be damn cool. I wish I had a flamethrower. <laughs> I could uh, light everybody's cigarette. <laughs> I'm like, here you go. Oh, and, oh, this is when she finds a picture from his Night Owl's previous love, which is a dominatrix looking picture. Yeah, his wasn't, Catwoman. Wasn't even a previous love. Like, it was just somebody who, oh, he like, he arrested. Oh, and okay, never mind. Yeah. I thought it was like an okay. I thought it was like an ex girlfriend or something too. No, I just didn't throw it away because that's you know. No, I get it's it. Kind of cool, man. 
Yeah. Yeah. She she's kind of his cat woman where it's like if only she would turn good, but then I wouldn't be as attracted to her. <laughs> <laughs> it it's a little less of that and more of he's he's got like a certain kind of kink as we realize a yes. little further in. Yes. Where uh he him and Lori do hot make out <laughs> with pants on and for some reason he just can't his uh his owl orang will just not perform the way he wants it to. So they kind of they kind of go to sleep, and then he has a dream where he's like, "Oh, I know what gets me off. Now I know what to do." Yep, <laughs> little owl ain't leaving the nest. Oh yeah, because this is where he has a dream where he sees the dominatrix woman that he arrested, and then he okay, then he sees her, and then they all blow up. Yeah, I do like that she's drawn as like super like sexy in his like dream version of her. Like she never looks this good. <laughs> oh, I didn't catch that, but yeah, like, which makes sense. Is, I mean, it's the, the, you know, like, the dream. Yeah, the idealized version. I I do like you know this is is this saying that Night Owl is the real him and Dan is the mask? No, it's not. <laughs> but no, my, it's not my like. Least, my least favorite type of Batman, you know, commentary is like, actually, Batman is the real personality. It's just so boring to me. Oh, also, I didn't realize in the dream sequence, he's more buff. Yes. Oh, yeah. This, okay, is, yeah, this is him. He, he goes from his normal fat self to buff self to superhero self. Yeah, like he looks like that movie star Patrick Wilson. Oh, well, <laughs> that's probably why they got him to play him. <laughs> I can't believe Patrick Wilson played a normal straight man also, and not a serial killer or a gay guy or a dad. I don't, I don't know about you guys of a movie that he has. I don't know about <laughs> you guys. I can't sleep on my couch with my significant other. I'm too fucking big in general. There's oh, no oh. way any couch in the goddamn universe. You can lay on it with your significant other and be perfectly comfortable, comfortable in a real world. He, he shoots up and she falls off the couch. Yep. Well, even then, like when you look at the other pictures of the couch, the couch is not that big. Yeah, no, there's no way two people are fitting on a couch. I don't care how, I mean, in this case, yeah, it's not happening. Big props to Night Owl Pancake Butt, though. <laughs> <laughs> Hank Hill ass. Like, they got that right. <laughs> they also like to draw naked people in this book, which is fine. They do it quite often. And they, they're not, you know, it's, again, when I read this when I was in high school, I was like, oh, my God, like, look at all this nudity. But it's not, like, it's not trying to be super exploitative. It is, I mean, it is a little bit, but it's not, you know, we're not, we're seeing, like, Lori's boobs, but, like, in an artistic way, you know. We're not seeing where she, it, they're in the middle of having sex. So you, you see a little bit of boob. It's not like, oh, she's just naked and the guy gets out of the way. Yeah, like, <laughs> it makes perfect sense for everything to play out as it does, which I, is great, really. Like, this, yeah. it and feels during, real. It's during this issue when they go out in the night owl again, and this is when they go and save the people from the burning building. Yep. Yes. And essentially break the law. And then they fuck. So now, and now he can get it off. You can get it on. Yep. To be fair, I, I do love. I, she, she's like, "What are you going to do next?" And he's like, I've, "I'm going to bust Rorschach out of jail." And you just hear her dialogue balloon of like, "What?" <laughs> like, how do you wait till after they fuck before he tells her that? So, okay. <laughs> yeah. You don't want to piss fair. off a woman before you try to have sex with her. Guess what? It won't work. <laughs> yeah. I just love. She makes that joke about like, "What are you going to do with your new confidence?" And he's like, "The craziest jailbreak ever." <laughs> I- I like the beginning of the scene, though, where he's just standing butt naked with goggles on. And it's probably one of my favorite scenes in this book. And I, too, now wish to achieve to stand in my basement naked with nothing but goggles on. <laughs> Pond- pondering life. Shit, I mean, it's not I that should, hard. I just get some goggles and 
Get a basement. I, yeah. I knew I should have done cosplay for this podcast. Damn it, I have <laughs> Hey, there's no camera, so guess what? You could. <laughs> Damn it. I live in Texas, so I'll never be able to do the basement part. Uh, well, well. Attic? <laughs> your attic or your garage. Pretty it gets pretty warm up there. I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, you're in a warm state. So I mean I can I'm I'm in my basement right now. What what are you worried about? You'll be naked wearing nothing but goggles. <laughs> <laughs> Who cares how hot up it is up there? Yeah, that's kind of pretty pretty alright, temperature wise. Alright, that brings us to chapter no, this is eight. I can't read apparently. The last one was seven. I don't know what the hell I am. Excuse me, Mike, I'm recording a podcast uh, ninety minutes ago. <laughs> Perfect. Oh my god, did you actually time that out? <laughs> it, it is an hour and thirty-three minutes that we've been recording. Oh my god, amazing. That's great. And if you take the part where he disappeared for three minutes because the cat unplugged it. <laughs> yes, you'd be about right, probably. About three minutes or something like that. It wasn't long. Oh my god. Brilliant. Fantastic. Thank you. That was good. Thank I will you. have some beer in honor of that. <laughs> <sighs> Good beer. All right, and then the next issue. Oh God, what is this one? Let's see. This I don't remember. Oh, there's more pirate stuff which I didn't read. Uh, <laughs> all right, all right, all right, all right. Look, sure, do you want to explain the pirate stuff? Oh, wasn't there like a standalone pirate stuff now? Animated movie too about the pirate thing? Yeah, there was. There was an animated standalone movie that was um, cut back into the Watchmen Ultimate Cut. But look, the pirate thing is really important because it kind of gives you like this whole. EC style pirate comic, you know, EC comics, the entertainment comics or educational comics rather that spawned, you know, Tales from the Crypt, Vault of Terror, that type of stuff. The art style is very similar here. Yeah. So you have all these pirates on this black freighter and they're bad, nasty pirates, possibly supernatural. Actually, they pretty much are supernatural, but it's Tales from the Black Freighter just chronicles their effect on the people they encounter. And this particular story is Guy Marooned, who has to do some just truly awful things to try to get back home, to try to survive, to save his family, because the Black Freighter is on its way to their town. Like, he knows this. Apparently, there's only one town that's in the path of this boat, and it happens to be his. How convenient. But he has to make a raft to get off this island that he's marooned on. And he has to use the bodies of his shipmates as ballast because they're full of gas from decaying. And he uses them for flotation. And he has to eat seagulls and eat shark and he just becomes this monster and he gets back home and he tries to kill his family well, because yeah, he gets he gets confused about like what's going on and yes yeah, like it's not his life anymore and the story ends with him swimming black back to the black freighter which has shown up to join the crew because that's all he is now. He is a monster. He is not fit for the human world. Right. And then you find out that the Black Freighter was only picking up one person. And they just they were only interested in him because he's the, the monster. And it throughout, it really parallels the events of the stories. It's just it's there for thematic backing. And I really like it. Like, I like how they interweave in between and, like, I get that you don't 
like it, it's fine. I'm never going to say everybody has to like everything. It's it's a comic book. It's a buffet. Eat what you like and leave the rest. <laughs> but I I personally dig it. I dig the under the hood. I dig all the interstitial stuff. Like in the last chapter, Dan's article about owls. Yeah. Like there's so much information here. And the more you know going into it or the more you read into the events that are happening, I feel like the more you get out of it. But I don't think you have to have that experience in order to enjoy this book. No, I don't. I, don't, I agree with you. I mean, I don't enjoy this book a lot, but I, I, I don't think you like it's, you know, it's nice that there's extra flavor text there, that there's more stuff. But like, I, I feel like without reading the extra under the hood stuff, without reading the pirate stuff, you still can get everything that's going on with the book. Yeah, it's it's just there. It's. It's like Tony Sachere's Cajun seasoning. It just makes everything a little bit better. I'm not sponsored by them. <laughs> <laughs> All right. And it's during this issue when you have that. Okay. This is when they're talking about the jailbreak and you have, which I heard they changed in the movie where you have um, people Rorschach in his, in his prison cell. And there's people like there's some, some little short guy that wants to murder him. Big figure. He, what? I missed what you said. I said big figure. That's his oh. name. Oh. Yeah. He's, a, he's a short little crime boss named big figure. Because he put him in prison, right? That's what it was? Yep. He and Night Owl both put him in there. Okay. And this is the same point uh, when you have this random cop show up and be like, oh, hey, uh, you know, you wouldn't happen to have a, you know, it, you know, kind of makes a hint about like, yeah, I know you're Night Owl. Don't you dare break him out of prison. <laughs> <laughs> Essentially. Like, I know you're friends with him. Don't you dare. By the way, sorry, I didn't mean to almost hit your uh, lock repairman. <laughs> <laughs> Now you sure have a lot of sugar cubes. Last time I checked, Rorschach sure likes eating those goddamn things. Oh, that's that is weird. <laughs> he had them in his pocket, and this is a scene that I did not catch until this this reading through. I actually caught it. There's um, there's a small like six panel part where you have some artist talking to a to a guy, and she's drawing a weird like creature. Or she mentioned how she drew a picture of the creature before they took it off in the boat, and it finally clicked. Like, oh, that's the alien at the end of this book. Right. And the the writer that is the the guy there is uh, they had just introduced him as far as like this uh, comic book writer artist who's disappeared. And they, you know, so the new frontier is saying, hey, this guy's missing. And then they, he's not missing. He's wherever he is, uh, where they're drawing uh, a very uh, sexual looking, I don't know, alien eyeball thing. Parrot squid. That's what I like to think of it as. Yeah, it is very sexualized, though, too. I mean, it looks sexual yeah, in nature. But a uh, fun story about that uh, gentleman there, the writer. That would be, oh, what's his name here? Max Shea is his name, uh, who in universe wrote Tales of the Black Freighter. Um, okay, that's what I thought. The, it's not like it has nothing to do with anything. It's just tangentially connected. Oh, it's about to get more connected, though. <laughs> <laughs> and this is kind of when it jumps to with him in the prison where they're trying to, where I think they lost power or something or oh no, there's a riot happening at the same time that or is yeah. it a riot that's happening because of or of because of Night Owl? It's not because of Night Owl, is it? No, no. OK, I thought it was at first. OK, they're just having a riot. I think and, it's because that guy Rorschach fucked up, died. Yeah, it's a race war. Yeah, it was the 80s. That happened a lot. We were okay, because this is when they end up, they have them. the guy in prison that's trying to, like, they're trying to cut open his cell, and then they, okay, when he breaks the guy's fingers, and then they, okay, we'll just slit your throat and keep cutting the lock off. 
Yeah, it was much gorier in uh, Watchmen, the movie. That's what I heard. Well, because in the comic, it doesn't make sense why they cut his throat because they're like, well, he's kind of in the way. But like in like the next page or a couple pages later, you see them cutting the lock with him still in the way. But in the in the movie, they're like, well, we can't get to the lock with him in the way. And you could tell he's in the way. And so what they do is they cut his arms off to get to the lock, which is looks dope. (laughs) Yeah, I can't tell why they did that. I mean, I guess if they're they're going to burn him. Yeah, if they were going to take a blowtorch to his arm anyway, it wasn't going to go well, so they are slitting oh, his throat. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Like, because they can't care when you're not dead. Yeah. Okay, this is when Rorschach electrocutes them. Oh, okay, now I get it, because then the guy runs to the bathroom, and then when Night Owl and them rescue him, that's why he goes to the bathroom, which I didn't catch that he went to go kill him. Yeah. I figured that's what he's doing. I'm like, oh, they're like, I'm like, there's no, like, they didn't do anything to really push that, but I guess that's supposed to be what the, why the water is coming out. Or the reddish tint to the water, I guess. I don't know. doesn't really... Yeah, yeah. again, I mean, like, I will say, I don't approve of uh, Rorschach, but it's like, he is he is full, like, Freddy Krueger here. <laughs> you're just like, okay, <laughs> he's terrifying. But yeah. you're like, it's kind of cool. It's cool in its own way, and I, I apologize. I, I, don't, I also, you know, agree with a lot of it, but I also am complete edgelord. I love all edgelord things. <laughs> I do like him standing there and then him like like, for instance, him breaking the guy's fingers and then and then wrapping his arms up and being like your move. And then they do something else and he electrocutes him. And it's like, I'm still winning. And he's like, oh, like, you can't beat me even if I'm locked up. Yeah, that yeah. was kind of funny. Yeah, he's he's so and again, Rorschach is so emotionally broken. Like he's not even like celebrating or like quipping about it. He's just like. Yeah, never killed garbage with garbage before. Like, that's kind of as close as he gets to a joke. <laughs> and he's just, he's very matter of fact about the whole thing. Like, yeah. he's not trying to throw it in anybody's face. He's just like, look, here's how it is. Think you can win. You can't win. I will prove it. I will even wait for you here with the door open. Make your move. And every time, just one nothing, do nothing. <laughs> I did like that. I thought that was kind of cool. One of the few times where I'm like, okay, I, I like what he's doing. Probably the coolest thing he does this entire book, honestly. Pretty yeah. much. And again, yeah. like that's that is probably the best scene in the Watchmen movie. Is the opening montage is very good, and the prison scene is good. Yeah, I heard the prison scene is much more than like this. You see them punch a couple guards, and that's it. I heard I, I've heard in the movies like huge fight scene. Yeah, which yeah. again, I mean, it's he's good at those scenes, so it works out. Yeah, not all he's good at doing. So yeah, hey. Hey, <sighs> Dawn of the Dead was a damn fine movie. I hate that movie. When I saw that movie in theaters, I was so upset. I went home and wrote my first novel, which doesn't exist anymore because I was so upset with the way they did zombies. So that movie pushed me to make a rate a book, which I Be wish honest, I had. You were mad that they said it took place in Milwaukee and they didn't <laughs> shoot it in Milwaukee. You didn't have enough local beers. <laughs> and for those that don't know, the joke is I'm from Milwaukee, so. That's my favorite zombie movie of all time. Oh, it's fucking garbage. It's really good because it's really yeah. believable. Man, if you said really believable, I'd be on board with you. Like, okay, but no, like, way. it's it's fun. That's what it is. It is also fun too. Yeah, <laughs> <sighs> it's terrible, terrible movie. I think you need to watch it again, Mike. I think I know <laughs> what we're doing for Spooktober. I do too. <laughs> Making Mike watch movies he doesn't want to watch. Yep, that's great Patreon poll. Sign up today. Hey, it's got to be movies that Mike's never seen. Mike saw that in theaters and left upset. So that's why we got to do movies that Mike doesn't like. 
That'll be next next year. Is it just next year's design. All Zack Snyder movies, like <laughs> Sucker Punch, Dawn of the Dead, and like two other movies. Never seen 300, never saw his other one, never saw Watchmen. Yeah. Well, oh, man. You got, you got your work cut out for you. Yeah, around this time, Dr. Manhattan comes back to Earth and is like, Lori, uh, this is the time where we go to Mars. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. She's like, what the fuck? <laughs> Uh, yeah, that was weird. And, and at the same time, they raid the they raid the building, and then Night Owl and Rorschach escape through the through the ship or with yeah, the ship through the tunnels. I do. And like, you have a weird scene of Moloch getting killed. Or yeah, it's Moloch, no, right? Or no, it's someone no, else. That's the original Night Owl. Okay, that's what it was. Book. Yes. Yeah. If Moloch already got killed, you got shot in the head. Okay, this yeah. is when you. Yeah, I thought this was weird. Where you just have this random gang come in and kick us and just kill him. Well, they heard that Night Owl broke. Rorschach out of prison. Oh, so they go after the old night owl, not realizing who's who. Yeah. Okay. That's, that's the problem when sense. you share a name with another hero. And you write a book saying, I'm a, a famous uh, superhero. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. That makes sense. But now I just run a garage in my neighborhood. And now I'm dead. <laughs> yeah. Okay. They kill him with a trophy that he was given by like the city or whatever. It's kind of cool that like the 40, the like the silver age look of it or golden age look of it where they have them like, you know, where you see, oh, I'm fighting, you know, I'm fighting gangsters. But it's not really like that's not what's happening at all. Because he's yeah. an old man now. Well, he's that's how he's fighting him in his mind. Yeah, it's not real life. Until the comic book real life. he doesn't, you know, win that fight. Yeah, until he gets smacked in the face with a trophy. Yeah. So, so now that brings us for Hollis Mason, you know. <laughs> Now that brings us to chapter nine. Uh, this is weird. This starts off with Dr. Manhattan teleporting Lori to Mars, but he forgets that she can't breathe. So he doesn't put like oxygen around her because he's an asshole. Well, just doesn't consider it. But also, I'm pretty sure that if you went into space with nothing, you'd just be dead. Well, that doesn't make for a good comic book, Mike. <laughs> <laughs> Where Lori just dies. <laughs> She's just dead. Yeah. Like, like, well, I want to talk to you, but. If her organs like rapidly explode out of her body due to absolutely no gravity, as pretty as that would look and as spiffy as I'm sure that Dave Gibbons could make it, that's kind of the end of your story. So you take some justice or some (laughs) you take some creative allowances there. Take some liberties with your book. That's the word I was looking for. Thank you. You're welcome. Anytime. Anytime. Okay. That makes sense. Yeah. I was like, wait, yeah. I'm like, yeah, she should be dead. I don't know. I didn't really care for the stuff with her on Mars. If I do like the part where he's like, this is the part you tell me that you were sleeping with, you know, the night owl, you know, I did like that. Oh, and I do like, there's a joke earlier on. that I think her mother makes where she's like, well, an atom bomb doesn't need to get laid every once in a while. We lost. There was some stuff like that. I thought was funny. Yeah. But like, this is important. Like this is this is basically Laurie making the case for humanity, and like she has to succeed here, otherwise the Earth is done. But the weird or part. So you think? But the weird part is, is that so we've already established that uh, Doctor Manhattan can see into the past, into the future, constantly running. You know whatever his whole deal about it is. So he knows that she's going to win him over. But it's also a thing of, well, I've got to let it play out the way it is or, you know, it'll mess everything up. Does she does he know? Because there are tachyons that are blocking some view of the future. So I don't know if they ever really explain how far they're blocking. They do not. 
I think it it's blocking the part where he ends up getting killed. So I think everything that happens later on with uh, Osmodius is basically what's blo- being blocked out. He just knows that this is the path that he needs to go through to get what is essentially the perfect future. Osmodius, Osmodius is a demon. <laughs> I, I've never seen the movie, okay. so I don't know how it's pronounced. And I, I think this is all during the... This, okay, this uh, is when he tells Lori about her past. Or Lori like, is talking to him and talks about how she met the comedian, how she got drunk one night and went off on the comedian... And this is when this is when she finds out that surprise he's her father. Yeah, I love that she just basically figures it out herself. And like this is oof, man. It's a hell of a thing. And That's a good way to put it, yes. Oh. <laughs> it's and, quite fucked up. And guess what? Just just to add insult to injury, I know this is one thing the movie does not handle well, because I believe in the movie. Uh, he tries to sleep with her, not knowing it's his daughter. I'm pretty sure you're correct. <sighs> Fucking Zack Snyder. Yep. Or I'm thinking of that goofy Watchmen parody. I don't remember. I, everything's kind of mixed up right now. This is a porn parody or a regular parody? I'm just not sure. It's the uh, the Watchmen cartoon parody. Together forever. Oh, Venture Brothers? No, they're the best of friends. Everybody watch the Watchmen. It's like a really weird cartoon where like, if like they were like a 90s kids cartoon. I have no idea what you're talking about. Someone posted it in the Facebook chat. Yeah, it was in the chat. Yeah, someone knows what I'm talking about. I got nothing. Okay. (laughs) And like, I guess the whole point of this issue is just having her argue the human, you know, humanity and how humanity needs to be saved. I guess. Yeah, I don't have a whole lot to say about this other than I didn't catch that the bottle that she's drinking out of and throws and breaks is the same bottle that was in a commercial for Osmandius earlier. That's that's not. It's not a drink, Mike. It's perfume. Oh, yeah. okay. She's just throwing right. perfume, but that's nostalgia by Vite Industries. Oh, yeah. And she mentions to Dan when they're having sex uh, that she's using it. Oh, weird. Yeah. Okay. I learned something new. All right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and then I guess the yeah you yeah the 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 whole cat like the whole at the same time when she flip, flips out she throws the thing the place the his castle breaks down all at once and then he they leave. I oh, worked hard weird. on that. <laughs> That's what I thought, too. Except all you really do is think. He doesn't really do a whole lot. Was there a reason he made a castle? Did he just do it for shits and eagles? Well, it was a watch castle. Yeah, because he was thinking about if he w- would have become a watchmaker. Yeah. Oh. No, okay. And I'll he made it. a castle so he could have somewhere to talk to Laurie because he knew he was going to. And they're in a big smiley face. Yeah. Yes. Yes, they are. <laughs> <laughs> Which I guess is real or something they were saying. There's actually like kind of like looking like smiley face thing on Mars. I don't know. I believe that. I'm not There's a face on Mars. There's also a butt on Uranus. But, you know, we don't really talk about that one. <laughs> <laughs> okay. That was good. That was good. All right. And that brings us to chapter 10. And this is when I guess like it's kind of more going into the fact that the war is coming. That there's going to be a nuclear war. I mean, that's also what... Lori was fighting about saying, like, if you don't come down here and, and stop it, there's going to be a war. Yeah. The, the, chapter 10, I think, I don't know. It's probably my least favorite chapter because it kind of abandons being a detective story. And it's like, well, it's it's Ozymandias. Like, it's super clear. There were some hints earlier. And now it's just like, well, it's him. <laughs> yeah. So fair way to put it. And this is when they talked about how the night they've been the night owl and Rorschach are hiding underwater for a while because they got to make sure the police aren't going to catch them. And he has to go back to his house to go get his mask because he's like, I need my real face. Because he talks about 
you know, the mask is his face and yeah, because he's crazy. So, <laughs> well, see, it's like saying that Batman is really the real identity and Bruce Wayne is the uh, the mask that he wears in public, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like we've had this conversation actually on Batman issues before. I feel like we've had this conversation earlier in this podcast. Yeah, that too. I, I mentioned <laughs> it earlier, but yeah. Yeah, you did. But I feel like we also talked about it in other things too. <laughs> oh, so good. So good. <laughs> All right. Anyway. And this is when it kind of, this is when you start seeing more about Osmandius. You see his Fortress of Solitude up in the Antarctic that he built. And it kind of I think this is when they start putting together that he was somehow involved in it. Is yeah. that this issue? They're at least starting the search. Okay, because he goes to the bar, he breaks people's fingers for no reason, and then they... Oh, then I think... Oh, that's when you find out the guy that hired that was trying to kill Osmandanius, or whatever fuck his name is, somehow was involved or something. I didn't really know what was going on. All right, so, basically, first off, (laughs) guy holding a glass in his hand, and then you just squeeze his hand and crush the glass? That's pretty brutal. Rorschach ain't fucking around. He's an asshole. Yep. Rorschach finds the guy that hired Roy Chess, uh, who was the guy that shot uh, Adrian Vite, And he's like, yeah, you know, you worked for Pyramid Deliveries. And I got offered the thing by my boss. And I don't know if there were any poison capsules and everybody else around me is dying. And, you know, my boss, he fell under a subway train and I need protection. And Rorschach is not being unreasonable here for once. But Night Owl is losing his goddamn mind. (laughs) (laughs) And then they go to Osmondanius and find, like, what information, I guess, that he was somehow involved in it all. Yeah, they get there. But uh, first, you see a bunch of people on a boat. And you've been seeing this mark everywhere, this circle with the pyramid inside of it or a triangle. Well, I'm pretty sure that's uh, Ozyman- one of Ozymandias' shell companies. But this is where they're talking more about the project that they were all working on on this island. And, you know, you get your writer, you got your artist, there's a couple of other people, a geneticist, musicians, and they're finally leaving the island, and then the boat blows up. Bop, bop. Oh, I didn't catch it, the boat blew up. I was wondering what happened to the people, but okay, that makes perfect sense that he killed them. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah they... They find the was it there's there's a man a woman canoodling and they find like a C four bomb. Yep, right. it's the artist and the writer from the earlier scene. Yeah, and uh, just let that go to show you if you ever get an urge to have sex in a weird place, do it. There might be explosives. <sighs> okay, I did catch that, but I didn't catch that it was the same boat. Oh, <sighs> yep. I don't know why my brain didn't put two and two together earlier when I read that. But after okay. this, this is when they break into Adrian's office. And, and it, oh boy. <laughs> yeah, I, I just feel like this is the weakest, uh, like, reveal when Night Owl puts in his password and it's he tries Ramsey's and it doesn't work. And he's like, Ramsey's I, I. And they're like, hello, Adrian. <laughs> so stupid. Would you like it, me to go over your evil plan again? <laughs> and it's just so funny because Rorschach's in the background just like, Oh, we're not, we're not closer to solving this mystery. Everybody is doing something weird. We'll never be able to figure it out. I don't understand what's going on too bad. Oh, I don't get it. And Dan's just working in the background. Whoops, I fucked up and found everything. 
<laughs> I know the first time I read this, I found it weird when I found out that he was involved with so much of the killing. Here, if you're reading it for the first time, yeah, yeah, no, it's totally weird. This is also where you find out that Rorschach mailed the journal to the Frontiersmen because they have his journal and they put it on a pile of garbage, essentially. Yeah, the crank pile, as they call it. Which plays a part later. So, I I have a question real quick, which, which will follow through towards the ending. So he, Rorschach's the one who mails his journal to, you know, the, the newsletter, right? Yep. So he mails it after they find out that I'm going to say it wrong again. I apologize. That's where they find out Osmodius is the one. Or so it implies that he put in a journal that he's the one who's behind all of it. Yes. Yes. Okay. Yes. So Rorschach has kept notes throughout this entire story. He's put it all in the journal and shipped it off to the one place he feels he trusts with this information, which is like, I have figured out exactly what's wrong with this world. I know how to achieve world peace. I'm going to go on vacation. I'm going to send it to Alex Jones. <laughs> <laughs> oh, why would you phrase it like that? That's so bad. On purpose. That's, That's how it is, though. Yeah. <laughs> and I personally have beef with Alex Jones because that motherfucker's birthday is exactly the same as mine. Oh, Not the year, but the same day in February. My condolences. Uh, <laughs> <We> all- <laughs> this is like Cody, who I recorded, who hates the other Cody. All of a sudden, my brain just Cody Laveau, the other Cody Laveau that's like a Nazi on YouTube that had the same last name as him. Oh, oh, that's, no. oh yeah. <laughs> oh, ew. That's what reminded me. We do get to uh, probably one of my favorite little tidbits about this comic. Uh, and what is that? It's when they go to they go to the secret lair and we find out and we, they, they touch on it a little bit earlier. But uh, Night Owl basically has 90s Batman toy clothes. Oh, yes. He's got, He's got a gas assault. He's got a stealth suit. And in this scene, he puts on a little little snow owl outfit. And it's all wrapped up in warm and nice. I like this. Yeah. <laughs> I got a kick out. I was like, oh, hey, you're going to buy his toy. Yeah, they, I do think that's cute. Uh, I will say in the movie, they have the Bob Dylan. Two, two riders were approaching and the wind began to howl is the quote here. They just play that over this scene. And it's just like, come on, man. <laughs> like, it's so on the nose. Ah, it's so literal. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I, I find it to be I, I like this. I enjoyed it. Like the whole when they get when they do, they crash in Antarctica. And then, like, they like, he gets, I do like that snowsuit. And I do like how, like, Oz, minute, Oz is like, oh, yeah, everything's happening. Yeah, that's planned. All right. And then they're, they're riding, like, what is it? Uh, Johnny Test, or not Johnny Test, the uh, Johnny Quest scooters. <laughs> yeah, essentially. <laughs> it does look like that, yes. Little hover bikes. Yeah. And that and brings us to chapter 11. Yes. We're getting there. Uh, so I did like this. Guys. I remember when I first saw this, and you just see, like, the, you know, this biodome that, you know, that Oz has made. Did he, had he killed his. Okay, no, this is the issue where he kills his people. Yes. He kills all the artists last issue, and now he kills yes. his own people at the at, at Arctic Research Station or whatever. Yeah. His Vietnamese, I don't know, roommates? Employees? I guess. I don't know. I mean, they were employees until he... He drugs them with poison, right? Yep. Yeah. I think that's... He poisons their wine while he's monologuing. And yeah, then, but like, at the same time, there's a very small scene that doesn't mean anything to you the first time you read this that I noticed that, um, you know, kind of hit a little differently where you see it's 1125 and you see him press a button where he flips over a, you know, a panel and presses a red button. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, oh, I'm like, oh, I know what that is now. 
<laughs> so Joe, someone that never read this before, did you think anything about that? About this random panel? Of course I did. You know why? Because I I, I think I said it before, this movie's been completely spoiled for me. Oh, okay. <laughs> so yeah, I I when he pushed that button and walked away, I'm like, oh, okay. What I didn't understand is his weird painting reference. What? His uh Alexander the Great? Yeah, what what's up with that? Where he has a painting of him cutting wood in half or something? Well, it's it's the Gordian knot, you know. That's the thing oh. that was sort of referenced earlier, where he's like, "Oh, the only way uh, is to just go right through instead of, uh, you know, oh, figuring uh, it out." Yeah, and so okay. he, he he's the the next Alexander or whatever. And they even sort of have this sort of uh, mural style drawing of Alexander, where it's supposed to look like him. Which I don't know. The Macedonians had blonde hair and blue eyes, but whatever. And white oh, skin. Colin Farrell did in that movie. <laughs> <laughs> hey, he had brown hair well actually he might have had blonde hair but he had brown eyes for sure yeah yeah so one one weird one weird tidbit so i i've never seen the watchman movie i've seen clips because i you know i couldn't afford it at earlier age and then i never bothered to watch it and even now whenever uh mike asked me to read the comic for the podcast and everything i didn't want to watch the movie because i was like i want to go into the comic clean without any references i always thought oz was like superman and I always thought that he was another alien creature or whatever. And I don't know why I always read it that he's his his race was called the Oz whatever they're called. Oh, okay. But yeah, but coming into this and finding out that he's just like he's just a guy who's really smart, I'm like, oh, that's that's pretty fucking lame. <laughs> well, he's a guy he's who's a smart with exceptional delusions of grandeur. Yeah. Yeah. Like exceptional. Like that whole idea, the whole thing where he goes like during his monologue, he's like, I wanted to be like Alexander the Great. So I gave up my fortune and I traveled the world. I'm like, you still had a fortune if you're traveling the world because you ain't ain't free. (laughs) I can tell you that right now. If it was free, I would have probably done it at some point. Oh, but but Mike, it's it's the the 60s. So you probably could do it for like pennies. Oh, okay. Yeah. You ain't doing it now for pennies. That's for sure. Yeah, yeah, no, no. For a couple hundred dollars, you could travel the world. Back Uh, in the 60s. Yeah. (laughs) And I, then after I, he kills his workers, he just turns off the the opens up the bi- the biodome and just covers them in snow. Yeah, I do like the action scene where Night Owl and Rorschach try to sneak up on him, and he just beats the shit out of them without really trying. Yes. <laughs> yeah, that was good. He's like, I don't have to do anything. You guys suck. Yeah, okay. I mean, like he sees Rorschach's reflection in the dining dish, so he just you know, no, no, we're not going to do that. Well, he knew they were coming anyway. Like he saw it on camera. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, not like he's. Oh, surprise! You're here. Oh, okay. Like I knew you're coming. He's just very calm throughout this entire thing. Just like guys, come on. Do we really have to do this? Please. <laughs> yes. Jesus. Yes, we do. Yeah. Sort yourself out. Yeah. In his own mind, he's like, "I'm a hero. You're a hero. Like I respect you guys, but like we we shouldn't have to fight." Even though it's like everything he's doing is super villain stuff. Yeah. Pretty much. But is it really? Oh, it is. 100%. <laughs> uh, so we're, save, we're almost there. Saving us from World War Three or whatever he's doing. Yeah, that's super villain. All right. The needs of the many outweigh the needs of the, of the few or the three million. Yeah, welcome to utilitarianism 101. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty much. Huh? Uh, he was just trying to make the world great again, okay? <laughs> I Never. <laughs> I do love that Rorschach keeps trying, though. <laughs> yeah. So we, <laughs> as he's I, explaining everything, I 
I don't want to go for it a little too much, but I think one thing that's interesting is you uh, in the earlier part of the comic, I forgot to mention this. You can kind of, there's this, there's there's obviously small hints that he's the bad guy with the him like shoving the tooth in the guy's mouth. But I think there's a part where he's talking to his toy people and they're mentioning like, oh, you don't have a bad guy. And he's like, you're right. I don't have a bad guy. And he's like looking at his toys. And I guess that's also supposed to imply that he's the one that's going to do everything. Mm-hmm. Oh, OK. That's kind of like there's. There's a lot of this part that this chapter really does well, even though it's pretty much just him monologuing the entire damn time. I yeah, do but like, it's known it's known for this, where the whole monologue of we're you know, how can you do this crazy plan? What do you mean do it? I already did it thirty five minutes ago. Like that's what this whole thing is known for. Yeah. yeah, I I do like his ego of he's just like when I met the comedian, uh, I knew we were very much alike. That's why we hated each other so much. I'm like, mm, is did the comedian just hate everybody? <laughs> like I don't I don't know that he you know like respected you so damn much that he hated you. Yeah, like I'm pretty sure he just hated you because you were a douchebag. Yeah, he thought you like were a little rich guy who played dress up and weren't really serious. <laughs> And the comedian is an asshole, too. So, yeah, yeah. it all fits. And then oh. like th- throughout this issue, right before everything, hit, before the shit hits the fan, literally, you have people like fighting. You have characters that you saw off and on, like you have the lesbian couple and she starts just beating the shit out of her girl for her girlfriend. And you see other people that you saw, the, psych- the psychologist, the kid that was reading the comic, the guy that's selling the paper, like they all kind of are. It's all happening right in front of them. And then all of a sudden you just see white light. I I think one of the really like nice and cute detail, too, is the, the lights coming towards them. And you see the newspaper man like try to shield the kid from the blast. Obviously, it doesn't work, but yeah, and it's cute, though. Yeah, I do love that. It happens right in front of the Institute for Inter- Extraspatial Studies. <laughs> like, that's fantastic. OK, that's kind of cool. Yeah, I do like, you know, uh, that that character, the newspaper guy, where he at first is like, are you going to buy this or aren't you? And then he like s- ends up seeing like himself in this, this kid and is well, like, here, ha- have name. my hat. It's got the same name. Yeah. <laughs> it gives him his cap, like gives him the comic and then tries to help him at the end. Like, it's very sweet. It and really is. Yeah. There's also kind of a thing too, where this is, this is 68 and uh, the kids of the kids, a kid of color and normally an old white man, a kid of color don't usually get along. And I like that they get along. All right. Well, this is this is taking place in 87. Oh, yeah. What's well, the 80s? So though, people even then in the 80s, people yeah. didn't get along that well. Yeah, it was still a bit dicey back in the 80s. Yeah. I mean, this guy, he's saying a lot of very like right wing crazy stuff. And then you see like, well, he's not like hateful. Mm-hmm. And then uh, the start for the next comic, we finally get an explanation as to why we keep seeing a clock with blood dripping slowly towards it. I mean, this is yeah, this I had forgotten this part. Like, I remember bits and pieces, but I had forgotten when I started page when i started chapter 12 and the first page you get it's just the clock strikes midnight with blood and just bodies everywhere oh god it's, it's so fucked cool. up it uh it ruined the concert for pale horse with crystal knocked that was uh playing that <laughs> yeah night. yeah let's talk about crystal knocked real quick here <laughs> what some some pretty uh questionable death metal uh going on in this world yeah like first off pale horse Fine, okay, I get it. You know, I saw a pale horse, and the man that wrote upon him was death. Blah blah blah. Okay, Bible reference. I get it. Crystal knocked, unfortunately, though, is very much a horrible historical event that happened in the lead up to World War II, 
where Nazis were like, hey, we're not going to have any organized protests or any organized things, but hey, if they start organically, oh well. And that led to a bunch of Jewish oh, businesses and homes just being absolutely destroyed. Yeah. And that's why they called it Kristallnacht, because of all the broken glass that littered the streets. Yeah. I didn't well, talk okay. about it. It took a so, second, then it clicked. That's a yeah. shitty band name. Yeah, yeah. that's, that's yeah. bad. And I also didn't realize that the, the movie that's playing is The Day the Earth Stood Still in one of the yeah, panels, too. Fun. Yeah, that's fine. <laughs> I just never caught that. I didn't catch that. And I was so like you have like just just pages where every page in this book or like most of them have tons of word bubbles, tons of panels. And this is just four pages of just the drawing of the squid monster in New York and dead bodies everywhere. Right. And it's of people we know, like it's the psychiatrist, it's the lesbian couple, it's the newspaper guy, like they're all dead. Yeah. Everybody was just murdered in a terrible fashion. How terrible was it, really? I guess they died instantly. Did they, though? <sighs> I think the idea is that they're supposed to die instantly. Yeah, like, I'm pretty sure they all died instantly. Also, I mean, that's, if you gotta go, that'd be one way to go. Just instant, but we just, your brain doesn't have time to register it. To add insult to injury, there's a big-ass fucking dead alien in the middle of goddamn New York now. <laughs> yeah. Which is pretty cool. <laughs> like I like that a lot. I really like this ending. As far as endings go, this is great. And this is where Zack Snyder dropped the fucking ball. Yeah, that ending is so stupid. I know we're not reviewing the movie, but man, it's dumb. I, yeah, I, I heard it was like I was watching a YouTube video that I compared the movie and the comic, and it was like an, it's a nuclear bomb or something. Or no, it's basically they he frames Doctor Manhattan and has him blow up multiple cities throughout the world. And it's like, yeah, but America would still be blamed for Dr. Manhattan. Like, how would this unite the world except against America? Well, he he doesn't he doesn't make Dr. Manhattan blow him up. He learns how to make like an explosion the same way he makes it. Right. He frames him by creating explode like basically atom bombs in like like 10 cities or whatever. So this is just New York. But they're like, no, I did this to London and Paris and whatever. And since it happened to everyone, they're going to think that Dr. Manhattan did this as like an act against humanity or something like that. Yeah, because it happened in America, too. Yeah, it's dumb. It's stupid. Now, this, I could see this uniting the world. Oh, aliens? Oh, yeah, most definitely. Yeah. Big fuck yeah. off alien appears and like psychically kills three million people. Oh, yeah. yeah. And, and then Nixon comes up and says we should have a, a military force called a space force. Yeah, that's totally what would happen. <laughs> yeah, I mean, uh-huh. like, think about how much, uh, you know, how much juice um, America got out after 9-11, where we got, you know, basically everyone except France to go along with our pointless wars in Iraq. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> so man, imagine yeah. if, you, if you multiplied that by a factor of like a hot thousand. Yeah, because is it is it like all of New York that gets blown up? Oh, it's, it's a good like, chunk of New York. They say three, three million people died. Oh, yeah, no, we'd be fucked. Like if it would be basically everyone would be on our side for whatever it is, whatever XCOM project we would start funding. (laughs) I mean, they also say that they don't know if it's like interdimensional or what it was. They have no idea what happened. Right. And I love the fact that as Adrian's explaining this dance, like, oh, come on, what'd you really do? (laughs) What'd you really do, Adrian? Come on. Or when Dr. Manhattan then teleports them to the place and he's like, oh, look at this. This is interesting. And and 
Lori's like, get me the fuck out of here. The way you should be acting. You know, she's, she's acting correctly. <laughs> she can't always say that in the, in this comic, but in this part, she's actually acting correctly. <laughs> <sighs> and then they go to, then, then this is when Dr. Manhattan goes to the Arctic. And I think, oh yeah, Rorschach still wants to kill him. <laughs> or, oh, and then Rorschach's like, okay, I'm going to turn him in. Cause, oh no, um, oh, yeah, where he tried to kill Dr. Manhattan, where he walks into the thing and he like, Tries to electrocute him or fry him or whatever the hell he does with a cat with, and kills the you poor cat. Jumped over so many things. Oh, okay. You <laughs> you are right. I did. Yes. <laughs> I'm flipping through pages. And he got to the gist. But like, <laughs> we missed so much humor because he missed so already, much humor. That's what you. Go yeah, like I already talked about how like Night Owl's like, now come on, quit fucking around. What do you really do? And the entire time. <laughs> Rorschach's like, get that cat out of here. I'm going to fuck you up. <laughs> and Ozymandias is like, you idiot. The cat's the only thing that's saving you from the humiliation of another beating. <laughs> and Night Owl is having so many problems. Because he's like, well, what if your assassin had shot you first instead of your secretary? And Ozymandias is like, well, I would have had to catch the bullet, wouldn't I? <laughs> no. You can't be, catch yeah. a bullet. You can't do that, can you? And he just kind of does his smile. <laughs> no, no, no. You're all, you're crazy. This isn't working. Like, none of this makes sense. And Ozymandias is like, I, I will keep telling you this. Because this is what makes sense. <laughs> I mean, it makes sense that they don't want to believe him. Well, like, it's I mean, the it's... stupidest fucking thing ever done. <laughs> <laughs> Well, the idea, like, like, I do, I get behind the idea that you need to have a common foe in order to unite the world. Like, the idea is always that, like, in Star Trek, for example, that when we do, if, you know, when we find out that we get space around, we find out there's other aliens and other things out there that we then finally unite as a world because we have a reason to. Do I think that's going to happen? No. But I like the idea of it. Yep. So and then, yeah, so Dr. Manhattan shows up and Ozymandias just runs and hides. <laughs> And sets, you know, lures him to towards a a similar experiment to what created Dr. Manhattan in the first place uh, with his little pet Lynx monster thing. I like that monster. And this is where you get Dr. Manhattan telling Rorschach, yes, yes, he killed Blake in half New York. Excuse me, Rorschach. I'm informing Laurie 90 seconds ago. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that was good. Okay, and this is where Lori shoots him, too. Yeah, yeah. yeah, Lori gets in eventually. Yeah, Lori shoots him, but then looks at his uh, as his bo- body on the ground and sees that only his hands are bleeding. <laughs> because he caught the fucking bullet! <laughs> <laughs> what is that, like his hands are raw or something from catching a bullet? <sighs> but he's alive. <sighs> and alive enough to kick her in the gut. Yeah, which is and I love it. He's like, there, something else I wasn't sure was would work. What, kicking a woman in the gut? No, that's <laughs> okay, I was gonna say, like, I mean, yeah. okay. And I love that he tells him, you know, do grow up. Like, that's probably the most insulting thing you can say to somebody. <laughs> yeah. I agree. <laughs> well, yeah, his point is basically that, like, putting on a little costume and like beating up drug dealers is stupid. <laughs> He's not wrong, though. <laughs> yes. He's very much, you know, it's like, Ultimately, if Spider-Man was a utilitarian, he wouldn't be just like patrolling New York, you know, beating up supervillains. He would be like, I don't know, saving people in some place that needs a lot more help than, you know, New York. Yeah, like, <laughs> I don't know, Detroit. 
<laughs> they need okay. help. Maybe there's no superhero in Detroit, is there? There's the Justice League Detroit for a little while, but I don't know. There's the Great Lakes Avengers. Wait, oh, yeah. Wasn't, wasn't Steel from Detroit? Maybe. I that don't sounds know. accurate. Superman? I don't remember. I never... I read. I never read Steel stuff. Was that John Henry Irons? Is that who that was? Yes, that's the only comic book name. All right, if I ever heard one. Yeah, I don't know. I don't remember. <laughs> and then after he catches the bullet, you have them where he turns. In, well, after Doctor Manhattan comes back as a giant man and like bursts through the wall, <laughs> and he's not bad. He's just disappointed. Yeah, he's like you I, should know better. Like I, you just can't kill me. And then so do Night Owl and Silver Spectre have sex in like a pool of cologne or something it's just a pool i think yeah i yeah. think it's just like uh, a hot tub okay because she yeah. said something about nostalgia i guess she's talking about that she's still wearing the cologne yeah and then uh rorschach storms out and uh dr manhattan follows him and goes hey it seems i've caught in a bag pace of ligma and uh <laughs> and rorschach goes what are you talking about and dr manhattan goes lick my balls and then blows him up <laughs> i mean essentially <laughs> Because <laughs> uh, Rorschach's gonna go back and tell everyone that Oz is the one that did all this. I mean, I would. Yeah. <laughs> and this is where I think you probably get the most misquoted line from the entire thing. <laughs> no, not in the face of Armageddon. Never compromise. <sighs> Which that's just fucking stupid. Grow up, bro. Yeah. Plus, he compromises all the time throughout this book. It's just pointed out to me. Yeah. He makes oh, yeah. compromises throughout this book. So he does. He's, he's not idiot. incapable of it. He's just being a petulant child. He's just an asshole. His, his code like won't let him. He'd rather just die than... I think he just wants to die in general. <laughs> he's a miserable man. <sighs> but uh, this is another scene in the movie that is really good. Where I'm assuming that it's very... In, in Zack Snyder way, it's very graphical when he blows up into blood. Oh, he blows him up into a Rorschach blotch. It's great. <laughs> <laughs> oh. <laughs> Oh, that's actually pretty cool. Okay. I'll watch the movie at some point. Yeah, like, Jackie Earl Haley as Rorschach really is just too fucking good for this world. Okay. I am curious to see the movie. I'll put it on a poll, maybe. <laughs> maybe we'll see. But this is where you got Dr. Manhattan kind of walking, and the TVs are playing, and they're they're proving that Adrian was right. Yeah, because there's there there there's peace talks. There's, yeah. you know, Russia, you know, Russia's like, okay, I'll, I'll stop invading Pakistan and Afghanistan. Not that we're losing to Afghanistan like we should be in real life history. Nope, we're just going to turn back and we'll be friendly now. And then he walks in and he goes to the pool and he sees Laurie and Dan cuddled up in post-coital affection. And he smiles. He's, he's laughing because Laurie's the big spoon. <laughs> I mean, Laurie is absolutely the big spoon in that relationship. Oh yeah, most definitely. <sighs> yep, and I like that they draw him walking across the pool, making sure to point out that yes... Dr. Manhattan still hanging dung. <laughs> they like to do that when they can, huh? Yep. And then he walks up the ceiling, or walks up the wall, rather, yeah. into Ozymandias' private abode. And this is supposed to have something to do with that whole pirate thing, right? The fact that he's just sitting here alone? I mean, kind of. Like, he's just hanging out, and it's like, you know what? I'm winning. I'm just going to sit here and... Be happy with myself. I, I do like the comment of him being like, I did the right thing at the end, right? And he's like, what do you mean the end? Like, everything lives on forever. And he's like, wait, what? And he just walks away or he teleports away. Yeah, that's that's great. Yeah. 
But I mean, Ozymandias does say, well, I dream about swimming toward a hideous. No, never mind. It is significant. <sighs> so, like, he sees himself as that monster. 100%. He's read the books. That's why he took <sighs> Max Shea in the first place. Right. Okay. Right. He knows he's morally compromised by doing this, but he's like, well, I had to, and I've thought about it, and it was the right thing to do, right? Uh, I don't know why he thought Dr. Manhattan would be like, yeah, that was the morally correct thing to do, because he's just like, I don't know. He's like, I don't give a shit, and I'm leaving. <laughs> Doesn't he say he's off to go create a new world or something, or go find a new world? Yeah, right. he's going to go create. He's leaving this galaxy for one less complicated. Which, 30 years later, becomes the DC Universe. <laughs> mm. Oh yeah, that that happens. Nope. I never read it, but no, I, it fucking I know. doesn't. <laughs> if, if it makes you feel better, it's like ninety percent Zack Snyder's fault. Doesn't okay. happen. I don't know what you're talking about. In uh, the Watchmen movie, whenever it shows like vigilantism on the rise, it's one of the superheroes punching out like a guy, and there's a couple in the back, and apparently it's supposed to imply that that couple is Bruce Wayne's parents. And that the vigilante saved Bruce Wayne's parents from being shot. <laughs> and Zack Snyder confirmed that that's true. <sighs> <Mm-mm>. No. <laughs> no. <laughs> and then the last, I think it's one of the last, or one of the last scenes is you have, God, what the hell is Lori's mother's name? I, Sally? Sally. Sally in, in the assisted living community, not a nursing home, assisted living community, get it right. Uh, she's there and then she has two people come visit her and then it's, her glory and Hawkman. Also, I forgot his name too, Dan. Dan. And he, I don't know why I couldn't Owlman. I don't even know why you got Hawkman for. I'm tired. But and then they come there and they have, di- you know, they look differently. They're going by different name because, again, they're wanted criminals. So, you know, if they had to make new identities. Uh, so the a little scene. does not work for Dan. No, it does not. <laughs> or the, or no. the mustache. No, I think the mustache could work if it was a dark color. Yeah. I mean, it makes sense. You gotta look differently. I mean, one. I mean, they they probably assume you're dead at this point, but still, if you're wanted, like you need to look differently. Boy, Laurie, I go ahead, Ken. No, I was just gonna say, yeah. There's a difference between looking differently and looking like a pedophile. <laughs> <laughs> Fair. I, I was gonna say the the awkward moment of of Dan going, boy, Laurie, I sure am glad your mom gave me this pornography of her when she was younger. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Oh yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah there's that. He gives a Tijuana Bible to Dan. Like, it's kind of cute. And then she, and then Sally kisses a picture of the comedian from the old picture from all those years ago. And cries. Life is complicated. Yeah, disturbing. (laughs) Yes. And then the last, last part of the Frontiersman goes, he's like, oh, put whatever you want on, you know, in the, we need something in the magazine. And he goes, he's eating a burger. He drops ketchup on the smiley shirt he's wearing. He goes to pick, he's about to pick up Rorschach's Bible. Worst sex journal, we think. <laughs> so yep. as soon as I finished this part, I, that's when I put something in the group chat. So we're basically supposed to figure out that even though everyone thinks everything's OK, and it's all good. We the people in that time are still going to figure out that it was all just a big farce. Right. Well, look who's doing the telling, though. Like, it's the far right nonsense paper. Who's going to believe it? Oh, uh, yeah, that's true, too. I mean, history has proven that there's a good amount of people that would believe it. Yeah, and how much power do they have around the world? Not much. Maybe America? they went, maybe they're sure. going to start their own like TV news network too. They start with an F. What do you think? Oh yeah, and some guy will be on it every night, and then a uh, bitch moan complain that M and M's aren't sexy enough. Yeah, that'll never happen. Yeah. <laughs> and this person who's running the new frontiersman is just going to keep talking about how the chemicals in the water are turning the frogs gay. 
<laughs> and that's Sandman. That's Watchmen. Oh, what the fuck? Wow. I'm tired. <laughs> yeah. I am tired. That wasn't on that wasn't on accident. That wasn't on purpose. Don't edit that out. You leave that. <sighs> I'm not going to actually. That was Watchmen. You see, I don't drink very much anymore, and when you don't drink for a long time and you drink two beers because you want to make a two guns joke bitch joke, it does hit you after two and a half hours of recording. It does hit you. Uh sure. <laughs> I had two beers during the course of this. I'm fine. Yeah, but I, I didn't drink for like three months. Oh, okay. Well, I was I mostly cut back, but my wife wanted me to make beer brats, so I bought beer. Uh, so, of course, I buy beer. I'm going to drink the beer after yeah, I make the brats, but I kept myself. I only bought a 12-pack. I didn't buy a 36-pack because, you know, I'm like, oh, well, I need extra beer. Like, nope, we're just buying the 12-pack. We'll drink the beer, and then we'll be done for a bit. Yeah, I bought beer for brats, too. I bought a 30-pack of hams, <laughs> which is a premium beer born in the land of the sky, blue water. Gotta love hams. America's classic. Nickel yeah. golden light, so not a very, not a, just a, just a, just a beer. Special. Now I'm hungry. <laughs> Go get an American burger. I already had a burger today. God damn it. Hey, White Castle, the world is healed. White Castle is open still at this time. If you have White Castles and where you're at. No, I wish the, the closest White Castle is a four hour drive there and a four hour drive back. Well, guess what? It'll still be open by the time you get there at 32 in the morning. So, yeah, <laughs> they're open 24 hours. Oh, one of my friends had posted an image on Facebook. He's like, the world is healing because White Castle is open 24 hours again. I'm like, you know what? You're not actually wrong. It's stupid and it's funny, but you're not wrong. <laughs> no, no, thankfully, uh, uh, KCMO has won the Super Bowl twice and they asked the quarterback what if he could have one thing here, what could it be? And so he said Whataburger. So now we have 24 hour Whataburgers here. So that's an idea. Yeah. yeah Whataburger is better than White Castle. So, oh, yeah, it is. White Castle's fucking shit. Shit. <laughs> You watch your damn mouth. Oh, I hate White Castle. My my wife loves White Castle. I'm like, eh, eh. terrible. Now, Whataburger. Whataburger was good. All right, let's go to Shelf Stacker Box before I keep can't talk. So, <laughs> and Ken, why don't you go first? I mean, I could go first, and I guess I will. Obviously, this is going on the shelf for me. Like I said, this is probably double digits for me. I take this out a lot and just read it. I think about it a lot. I wonder what I would do in that situation. You know, Ozymandias wasn't wrong. Yeah, definitely going on the shelf for me. Okay. And what about you, Joe? I would actually put this on the shelf. I was thinking about stacking it, but I do. It's a really good story. It's it's pretty long, too. It, it's a good good trifle through to read. Like, you could probably sit there at a coffee shop and read it for, like, three hours if you really want to. And it's just the right amount of, like, realism. Because, like, a lot of stuff nowadays, like, give an example, the boys is like really really top-notch 11 gore i feel like this is at a good solid eight to where like a lot of it's still really believable without being completely fucking absurd plus uh with what chris said i completely agree too this this is a really good like murder mystery up until it totally imploded on itself yeah which i never thought about until chris mentioned it Mm -hmm. and chris what about you uh, I'm also, I guess, going to put it on the shelf and for the reasons we talked about. I think it's surprisingly funny. Like, I think it works as a sort of takedown of superheroes that is written by someone that has clearly, you know, read and understands. I mean, there's a you know superhero comic artist, you know, guy as as a character in the book. Uh, he understands like the medium and that it has this sort of conservative bent to it i mean again part of it is based on the co-creator of spider-man uh and his weird real beliefs he was a ayn rand follower um who was similar Uh to rorschach in some ways as far as he was 
a absolutist and that being an absolutist meant uh, he stopped working for Marvel entirely. He stopped communicating with Stanley. He didn't make any money off of anything. And it's like, yeah, it seems kind of dumb ultimately to be morally correct and, you know, just not successful. But I, I, I enjoy it on its own merits as well. I think it's a good story, but I think it's richer if you kind of know what it's, you know, all the stuff it's referencing and what it's talking about. Okay. And I'll go last. I'm going to put this in the box. Uh, <laughs> I, don't, I read this three times. I don't want to read this again. It's a good book. I give it credit for what it is. I'm glad I own a copy of it, but I just, it's not for me. And that's just the thing. It's too depressing. And I, and I just, I think I'm also tired of just, because after we did Sandman not that long ago, and now we're well, probably depending on when I publish these, it'll be right before you hear, you hear this for comic wise. So I don't know. I just, it's just, this book doesn't grab me. It doesn't bring me back to want to read, but it is a very well-written book. It's very good. I'm glad it exists, but it's going in the box and I don't need to read. I don't need to read it. I'm not reading it a fourth time. <laughs> Three was Same enough. And, yeah. and two were for this damn podcast. Still mad. <laughs> I'm going to figure out a way to make you read this again. <laughs> it's going to be years from now, but I'm going to figure it out. Welcome to Wait. the two, the 200th comic episode where we reread the Watchmen. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to Watchmen Recovered. I'm oh, so I old. Before we wrap this up, uh, is there any point in reading like the other Watchmen stuff that they did, like the miniseries? Not really. I mean, okay. if you really love the characters, maybe, I but I don't think Darwin Darwin Cook is way too beholden to the source material. Like the the amount of trying to reform the comedian is pretty gross i think uh Uh, where he is this sort of paternalistic like he's looking out for you know for his daughter and he's helping out people but he's just he just comes off like a mean guy i'm like no the comedian is like he's just a straight up like fascist piece of shit like you don't have to do this so like just let things be yeah. Okay. If, I, I've never read them. I had no interest in reading them, but since I have you guys here, I was like, okay, these are the guys to ask. If you want to get like a weird hot take, and I, I, I hope I don't try to like steer into a weird way, but I guess that you could say the idea. Uh, Lori's mother had the idea that she didn't really, wasn't really in love, or she was in love with the um the comedian, and it was in a bad way. But she could also be thankful that she had she like she likes her daughter so i mean that's one thing she'd be thankful for out of that whole situation that happened and her daughter ended up you know being raised right and being a good person so i mean that's a decent way to look at it yeah like he's still a piece of shit though oh he's still a piece of shit yeah <laughs> and like no amount of reform will really change that like i don't care how much you're going back to be like oh let, let's retcon daddy feelings for him fuck that piece of shit just let people be pieces of shit man yeah like this book is full of them <laughs> everybody in this book is a piece of shit in their own special way and Every- i meant I, I i said it at the top of the show everybody sucks in this book every one of them i mean night owl is pretty nice he's just kind of a, a doofus <laughs> yeah yeah but he has no confidence in himself unless he's wearing the costume like he's got his identity tied up in that costume so much that he forgot to be a real person when he's out of it Right. So, yeah, he kind of fucking sucks. <laughs> like, I, I think he sucks the least. <laughs> like, <laughs> yes, he's the least su- bad person in a full of bad people. Comment. Yeah, like, he and Lori are probably the ones that suck the least, but Lori fucking sucks too. <laughs> <laughs> like, they all suck. 
Yeah. Rorschach sucks the most. Yeah, that's why he's yeah. in that in the starter pack of, of, yeah. of characters you idolize. There's something wrong with you. Like, he's there, horrible. There are people man. out there to idolize Rorschach for some reason. Because he's telling it like it is, Mike. <laughs> yeah. He only beats up the bad guys. It's like he has a special bad guy detector that always makes him morally <laughs> correct. Yeah, yeah. Like yeah so why he goes in random bars and breaks people's fingers. Yep. Okay. He even yeah. said in that first case, he broke a lot of wrong fingers <laughs> trying to get information when he was looking for that little girl. So <sighs> But no, I am glad that we read this book and I'm glad that I read it a third time. I'm just yeah, I'm done. <laughs> so now I'm looking at Doomsday Clock, like I want to read that. Oh boy! Boo! I've I, not read all of that, but I can't imagine it's good. <laughs> I haven't read it either. Did I? Was I smart? Did I actually buy that? I feel like I bought that accident. The trade or the comics when it was coming out? The trade. Oh, did I buy it? Mother, I bought the trade. <laughs> Physical or digital? Digital, of course. Okay. I'm not gonna pay real money for this. <laughs> oh my! You can pay God. real money. <laughs> Oh my god, why the hell did I do this to myself? <laughs> oh my god. No. Is this a sign that you're telling me you want to cover it next? Nope. <laughs> I might read it, Ashley. I was tempted. I'm tempted to read it now that I reread Watchmen. We'll see. I think I need to read something happy. Oh my god. No, 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 no. It's no, <laughs> no, 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 no. All right, because... we should wrap this up. And Chris, where people find you at? You can find me on my book club podcast. Uh, some of my friends read comics with uh, Vince, who's been on this show before. And you can also find me on my other podcast, Your Stupid Minds, uh, where we review bad movies. All right. And if you enjoyed this comic episode, there's 49 other comic episodes you go listen to. I'm proud that we made it to 50. That The movie episode hit 50. Comic episode hit 50. Well, movie episodes are way past that. We count the MCU, but that didn't matter. But makes me proud. It makes me proud that we have that many spinoff episodes stuff so go check out all that we have over 450 other episodes in our giant catalog you can find everything on our website on podbean you can type in and search type in batman type in zelda type in any word you want daredevil you'll find stuff we have so much content so just type there type in and things see what comes up and see what catches your mind Aye. there's lots of content that we do we do games movies comics tv seasons we do whatever i can convince people to talk with me about so definitely go do that if you want to support the show. We do have a Patreon for a little dollar. You can vote in our Patreon polls. There's one, usually one every month. You'll see a link in the show notes to that. We also have a Discord channel. You'll see a link in the show notes to that. And why don't you give a shout out to my awesome intro and outro, courtesy of Helena at Hell Hasfury. Please go follow her on TikTok. She made our awesome music. And want to give a shout out to my buddy Bill Tucker, who started his own podcast, The Gamer Looks At 40. So definitely go check his show out. And please follow us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and on YouTube. I think that's everything I need to say. So we will see you guys all next time. Bye, everybody. Bye.